Content warning. No Gods, No Monsters contains profanity, substance use, and a strong hatred for the police. scene in this movie that stands out to me from the rest of the scenes where suddenly instead of it being a movie it's just some like sepia tone pictures uh it's like the zillions are saying that they're gonna make earth a colony and we have to obey or we're gonna be wiped out and then there's these still images of large demonstrations and the voiceover slash subtitles say The startling announcement caused demonstrations around the world. Some wanted to accept the terms, wanting peace at any cost, while the majority vowed to fight. Violence erupted between the two factions. I don't know, this part just, like, it really stands out to me. I wanted to hear y'all's takes on on, on what you thought of this. They must not be that committed to peace if they're going to fight so much over it. I mean, I guess I could imagine uh, a like aggressive demonstration of people saying let the aliens take us over but mm-hmm. it it's that strikes me as like the more like they will they're lobbying their legislators types you know not going out to the streets and uh yeah but you, know. you they need an answer within 24 hours you can't lobby your legislators that's true that's true you're not putting enough faith in the government, Charlie. <laughs> I'm just imagining a a strongly worded like Twitter campaign to like get you to call and fax your legislator today, not tomorrow. <laughs> uh the aliens are coming and we would like peace at any cost. Yeah. You know? I would just tweet something and then like include a picture <laughs> of like Godzilla with a, a joint um photoshopped in his hand that he's smoking. And be like, peace, y'all. <laughs> maybe a white dove flying, flying over. Yeah. I, I just maybe I'm a maybe this is fucked up. But before I realized there were like tanks and machine gun fire. So like Barto, you're probably right. Like the the peace side was probably like had a little bit of a leg up at least on their uh, infrastructure. I loved that it was like, uh, what does it say? Um, some wanted to accept the terms, but the majority vowed to fight, and then they clashed. And I'm like, I want to see this movie. I want to <laughs> see the pl- peace yes. police just being swarmed by all the fuck the colonizers. Like... <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah. I would absolutely watch this fucking movie. Yeah, that sounds like great. Sort of. There aren't enough of those like um, uh, giant monster like meta films like. Mm-hmm. What I forget that one that uh they're trying to get out of Mexico. Have you have you seen this movie? Monsters. Yeah, it's monsters. Yes, yes. We've almost done that movie like ten times. Um Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I don't think it's a great movie, but I do like that the the meta monster movie. Like kaiju are just real. Yeah. What's life like? That's that's mm, yeah. sounds great. Well this whole time while watching this, I kept thinking like there should be a film about um, the period in between this and uh, the three-headed Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, where it follows Ghidorah and shows like what the fuck is he doing, 
because we last see him escaping from fleeing from earth and then we next see him just fucking destroying this civilization on a planet in the outer skirts of our solar system so i think there could be a cool movie there that follows him it'd be so cool if people made like just some fill in the blanks movies because like like yeah you could have that one like what the hell happened there and then yeah this fight like it just feels like a jip that to me, the most exciting part of the movie, they're like, oh, we're just going to use some some photos. Uh, and you're like, come on, I want to see this, <laughs> these street brawls over whether or not we should... Like, a giant social war that literally, like, doesn't even have to do with the kaiju. They're not even actually involved. Like, everything's so... There's so much fucking going on. Um, Where do you think those photos were from? You know, I thought about that. I thought, Bardo, look this up. Uh, look up uh, where these photos are fucking from, and I just didn't. Same. Cool. Well, welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We're the anti-capitalist kaiju and giant monster podcast in a world where no one is coming to save us. I'm Rabbit. As always, I'm here with Charlie. And today we are stoked to have as a guest El Barto. Uh, El Barto, you've been a huge supporter of the show. You're a renowned shit poster. Uh <laughs> Just want to thank you so much for for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm I'm just glad to have a platform to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that's big monsters, <laughs> Hell yeah. specifically an astro monster. <laughs> <laughs> have you uh you've been into kaiju movies since you were a kid, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never. There's lots of these I've never seen. Um, but I used to have like the, the Toho books explaining all the monsters and, oh, that's awesome. you know, I, I had a bunch on V8, bunch of these on VHS and stuff like that. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Since I rewatched, um, Shin Godzilla sort of at the beginning of lockdown and was just like reinvigorated for like, yes big monsters big monsters yes uh, yes that'll do it um why so that you specifically requested to do this movie um uh why why this movie i just uh i think this is the in, in terms of uh linearly this is the best one since the original godzilla oh wow i think i think it's um like really cool to look at there's some like it's just the best use of like sets and lighting and um just filmmaking i think since the first one um i think uh the message of it is interesting probably not in a way that uh was intended when it was written but i think (laughs) i think i like watched it and it had this like Oh, there are like themes in here that feel like super relevant to today. Um, and also, uh, Godzilla and Rodan get in these like bubbles and float into space. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was like, it was like cute and like weirdly beautiful. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So I have to talk about all that. I have to talk about that because, um, no one else in my life wants to hear me talk about. <laughs> My feelings about <laughs> Godzilla movies, which is fair. That's what we're here for. Well, as we as was 
as was revealed just now and by the title of the episode, we're talking today about 1965's Invasion of Astro Monster. Charlie, do you want to let us know what happens in this movie? Well, as we always do with our guests, um, it's actually up to (laughs) Alberto to do the synopsis. So, (laughs) Alberto, take it away. Oh, damn. (laughs) That's not true. Charlie wrote the synopsis. I don't know. I mean, I think I could do this. I mean, if you're unprepared, I mean, it's disrespectful, but I, 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 I can, I guess I can do it. Uh, Our last yeah, guest I mean, uh, came prepared, but. Okay. Well, I'm not your last guest, nope, Charlie. Nope, you are not. <laughs> By the way, true or false, guess. your name is a Simpsons uh, ripoff, so you don't it is respect. yeah a ripoff yeah <laughs> yeah <you> just, <laughs> try to keep it get money for it but not let anybody know yeah yeah this is i'm like the the blockbuster straight to blockbuster video version of uh the simpsons character <laughs> that was my hope you're the what is it lizard versus giant ape of yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right yeah Two astronauts, one a piece of shit obsessed with controlling his sister's love life, and the other a white American male who everyone should thank for his service, are just arriving Jesus at planet... Christ. What? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, are just arriving at planet X, a newly discovered planet in the outer realms of our solar system. Here they discover that the planet is inhabited by an intelligent race of aliens cleverly known as Zillions. X is such a fucking cool letter. Do they know that they were on Planet X when they decided to name themselves that? When inventing language on Earth, why didn't the inventors put in more X's and Z's? That would make talking so much more fun. Anyways, back to non-important shit. The surface of Planet X is being constantly attacked by Ghidorah, so the Zillions have escaped to underground. Ghidorah is apparently so destructive that there aren't even any fucking ruins of civilization on the surface. Damn. That's three fucking powerful heads. If I had one head that powerful, things would be different around here, let me tell you. And there would be ruins. Lots and lots of ruins. Anyways, back to non-important <laughs> shit. The Zillions offer Earth the cure for cancer in exchange for permission to capture Rodan and Godzilla so they can make battle with Ghidorah, as they did in the previous movie, which apparently these Zillions watched. Except they, except they forgot one important detail. What about fucking Mothra? What are these? A bunch of misogynist dude bros? Turns out that yes, yes they are, because they make all their women, because <laughs> they make all their women look the same to ensure that they are always able to see a beautiful face. As a side note, if I could make all women look the same, I'd make them all look like Mothra. Anyways, back to non-important <laughs> shit. Meanwhile, back on Earth, a planet that would be so much cooler if it was named Zerth. Tetsuo, the brilliant inventor who is dating Fuji's sister, Haruno, sells his invention, the Lady Guard, seemingly an alarm to protect women from assault, to a toy company. I know what's not going to be staying on the shelves come Christmas. Seriously, remember this invention for later in this movie. It's a bit of a Chekhov's Lady Guard. So, back to the Zillion plot. They are discovered to be on Earth, already planning to take our monsters before we could agree. But then Earth agrees anyways, and they take the monsters away. But why was this up for debate in the first place? Humans have hated both Godzilla and Rodan, except for the one time they helped fight Ghidorah. When these monsters have destroyed so many cities, why wouldn't Earthlings be all on top of a deal to trade them for the cure for cancer? Just because they make great movies? 
Actually, that is a pretty good reason. So, the Zillions take our monsters off to X, and Glenn and Fuji go with them. The, mice, the monsters fight off Ghidorah. Godzilla does a rad little victory dance, as monsters love to do. And Earth is bestowed with a cure for cancer. Or is it? No, it's actually a big tape made out of gold that tells Earth they are now a colony of the Zillions, and they will be destroyed if they resist. But hey, at least they gave us a big old chunk of gold, so that was nice. Apparently the monsters are controlled by the Zillions via brainwave, and so they will use the monsters to destroy civilization. Just one thing. Remember when I mentioned Chekhov's Lady Guard all those seconds and slash or minutes ago? Yeah, baby. This is what I was talking about. That fucking thing plays a sound that these dudes just can't fucking stand. It completely incapacitates the Zillions, and so they broadcast this, broadcast this all over the radio, completely ruining so many song requests, and fucks the Zillions all kinds of up along with their control of the monsters. And so now Fuji respects Tetsuo and accepts the love between him and Haruno, what the audience really came <laughs> to this movie for. The end. Directed by Ishiro Honda, screenplay by Shinichi Sakizawa, music by Akira Ifukube, with Akira Takarada as Kazuo Fuji, Nick Adams as Glenn, Kumi Mitsuno as Namikawa, Jun Tazaki as Dr. Sakurai, Akira Kuba as Tetsuo Tori, Keiko Sawa as Haruno Fuji, Yoshio Tsuchiya as controller of Planet X, Haruo Nakajima as Godzilla, Masaki Shinohara as Rodan, and Shoichi Hirose as King Ghidorah. Because three gold heads being fought by a Godzilla head and a Rodan head is better than three gold heads being fought by no one. It's Invasion of Astro Monster, baby! <laughs> One thing we didn't mention, this is our fucking season one finale. We're taking a break after this. Oh, yeah. Um it's been uh it's been a ride. We're glad you're here for it, Barto. Uh-huh. Thank, choo choo. Thanks for having me along. Hey, we wouldn't have it any other way. Unless uh like Elon Musk offered to be on, then we would be jumping at the bits. We'd say El Barto, no way, get out of here. We got the musk. <laughs> You'd invite, so, you'd invite Elon Musk on? I have invited Elon <laughs> Musk on. <laughs> He's really busy, which is why he hasn't answered the emails yet, but he'll get to it. He's very busy. Um, He's very busy. Yeah. So we already kind of mentioned general thoughts and feelings, but uh, yeah, in general, what do you all think about this movie? Um, well, first of all, as we have with all of our guests do... Um, <laughs> We have them make up a theme song for the movie. Uh, so, Alberto, if you want to give us a little tune, a little ditty. Uh, <clears throat> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this went a different way than I expected. Do I have to write lyrics? I don't think I can do that. I mean, this is already way more than I was expecting, so... <laughs> I did not know he had an instrument within arm's reach. It's great. <laughs> Astro Monster! Astro Monster. Hell yeah. Um, well... Charlie, what do you, you think of the movie? Uh... Yeah, um, 
this was I, I had I had watched this before. Um, uh, this is one of the movies I watched to decide whether or not to do the podcast. And I thought, yeah, I like this movie a lot. Um, I wouldn't say it's the best one since Godzilla, since the original one, but I still really, really dig it. Um, as Alberto brought up, there's lots of cool sets and stuff in this, but I think that's especially fun when you like watch the, like the first monster fight is on the surface of the planet X, and it's just a completely different setting than any fight we've seen take place before, and like different yeah. than lots of fights we'll see in the future it's just really unique and and the whole set of the planet x looks really cool so it's awesome to see these monsters doing battle on it um besides that the yeah i think the the human story in this is just a total blast um yeah it's disappointing there's no mothra when she was a big part of defeating uh, Ghidorah last time. So why the fuck is, is that it Mothra? Is that why um, this is not the best one since Godzilla? <laughs> is it just like you have particular feelings for Mothra, and so that will always be the second best one? Yeah, hope she I mean, sees this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sh- shut up. She might be listening to this. Uh, okay, <laughs> you can cut this. That's fine. Whatever. Whatever. But, yeah, this movie is just—it's a fucking blast. It's—it's it's so great. The effects look great. Ghidorah looks great. I guess I wish there was a little bit more monster stuff. It feels like this movie there's less of stuff on the actual monsters and more attention to the human story than there usually is. And, Definitely. Um. Yeah, I just kind of wish there was more because fucking Ghidorah is just like so cool looking. I just want to look at him so much more. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just nitpicking. This is a fantastic movie. It's great. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Uh, rabbit. Yeah. I, so when I was watching the show movies, I feel like I kind of, I skipped a couple, but I kind of went in order. Like I watched Mothra and then I watched, uh, Ghidorah, three-headed monster. And I remember being really disappointed by Ghidorah, the three-headed monster being like, oh man, there's not going to be the, the same kind of like seriousness around the monsters. So I think I had accepted that when I watched this one. And then this one. I'm on a similar page to Bartow where I was like, like I watched it with Ira. We'd watched a bunch and we were both like kind of sitting forward like, oh shit, this is like fast, fun, cool, different, and really just like tight. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's something about it that's like, I don't mean tight, like sick, bro. Tight, like really well, like edited, cohesive. And um, I definitely feel like the monsters are a weird afterthought. It's like, they were like, how can we please the weird, the sci-fi audience of the mid sixties, but also get butts in the seats for the monster stuff. But it like, in that way, it feels like a strange time capsule and it doesn't really detract from the spirit of the movie. It just works in a weird way. And so I, I don't know, I really appreciate it. And when I first watched it, I was like, I don't know, this keeps happening where I was like, I don't really know what I think politically about this. And then this time watching it, I was like, oh my God, there's too much to say, man. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I don't know. It's sick. I like it a lot. I think another reason why you like it a lot is that it doesn't have any fairies turning into class traders. (laughs) That's true. Uh, That really gets my goat when it happens. Yeah. Or gets my Ghidorah (laughs) since he's the goat. Um, Yeah, for sure. Well, both of y'all mentioned the cool sets and props and stuff like that. Do y'all want to uh, slide into talking about the filmmaking a bit? 
Planet X, I think, is the the coolest looking location in mm-hmm. any of the early Godzilla movies. Like it, like that that shot where they're they're still in the spaceship and they're like coming towards the planet, and that like painting of Planet X is like so satisfying yeah. to me. And they like mimic it super well once they get down there. Um. I don't know. It just it it look, and then the the base itself is. They keep doing. They do this thing throughout it when you're in the base where like they don't show you everything. They have like these spotlights on characters, and it like uh, there's none of these human stories that like look the way mm-hmm. the human story does in this one. And and then they'll like cut to these big white hallways where it's it's just like you know astronaut glenn or whatever walking is that his name in the in the i watched the the dubs version instead of the subs version so like names might be kind of yeah he's still glenn okay cool yeah astronaut glenn Glenn is always glenn Um, he doesn't even have a last name which i was looking at the cast on the wikipedia and like all the characters have two names except for him he's just glenn Shit, that was kind of funny. He's just American as fuck. Yeah. It's like in the South where they don't even name you Marcus. It's just Mark. Like he's just fucking Glenn. Doesn't even need a laugh. Yeah. His, his accent in the dubs one is so good. It's so good. It's like kind yeah. of like mid Atlantic or uh, North Atlantic. Um, there's a funny part in a uh, David Collatz book, a critical history and filmography of Toho's Godzilla series, where he says that. So I guess he's becoming close to the actor that played the commander and the commander is like teaching him Japanese or whatever. And then he asked him if he could get uh, Toshiro Mifune to do to um, to do his Japanese voice. And then uh, uh, he was like, yeah, so he very much admired that actor because of his work with Kurosawa and asked if he could arrange for Toshiro Mifune to dub Adam's voice for the Japanese version. The reply, sure. Can you get Henry Ford to do mine? Um, I just thought that was a little funny story. <laughs> That's great. Mifune is way cooler than Henry Ford, but still, oh, one hundred percent. But whatever the case, you get these shots of them walking down these big white hallways, and it, it reminds me of um, uh, what's it? THX one one three eight. George Lucas's first movie, which is like an okay movie, but like looks really really cool. Um, I've never seen it, but I've seen. I've seen shots of it, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I had a leftist Star Wars podcast. I'm going to pretend I've seen it. (laughs) It's Um, it's fine. You know, I love the Misfits and they have a song called We Are 138. So I think I I get the gist of it. Uh, Yeah. It's (laughs) all about Eyes of the Tiger. (laughs) Nice. Um, Wait, were you bringing that up because it's from the lyrics or... Yes. Is yeah. That, okay. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, I was like, "Wait, maybe there is like a major plot point that he's just referencing." <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. No, that song doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all related to the movie. But yeah, I don't know. It's that that whole world rules. Most most unique thing in the Showa era, I think. Yeah. Totally. I, especially, like I said before, with those fights, it's like. St- you see in a lot of these movies, there starts being like a 
it's like always like in this desolate area outside of the city where it's just uh very just lots of dirt and stuff um because they don't want to build miniatures anymore yeah yeah it, so this is such a cool like this is so fucking cool. It looks awesome. I completely agree with you. It's just what? such a unique thing and such a nice breath of air from that. Uh, just like I said, we always see them fighting in the dirt, desolate area on Earth. What do you think um, it was like for Rodan to suddenly wake up and have to fly in a different kind of gravity? Oh, well, I was thinking, what, what do you think it would be like to wake up on another planet with a giant, another giant monster next to you, and with fucking a three-headed gold dragon shooting lightning bolts at you that you last saw on your own planet. <laughs> yeah, but then adding into that, then trying to fly, and it's the gravity is just completely fucking different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the gravity didn't really look different for the humans. Like they said, it was like two thirds or something, or one. I think it was one third. Remember, yeah, it seemed like they were just walking. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they've uh, did lots of simulations when they're preparing to be astronauts. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah, it seemed like they they had really prepared, considering that on the flight in, they're like, "Hey, uh, when we get there, like ground control, when we get there, can we like check it out?" <laughs> and they're like, "Uh, well, you know, we can't really baby you when you're there. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even talk about what you're gonna do when you get to this new planet." Yeah. Well, another thing that bothered me was uh. It it's a four and a half hour ride between Planet X and and Earth. That seems like insane, right? There's a there's a lot of things about the space. Yeah, that, yeah. Like I I agree. I think the planet looks fucking beautiful, and I really love. It actually just looks so different than other sci-fi that I remember of the area. Like it's it's like got these blues and oranges that mm-hmm. are just so sick. Um, and. I love the shot of the spaceship heading there with like all the stars. It's so cool, but it also makes no sense. Like the stars are just flying by it as dots. <laughs> I, like, I mean, it, at least in the <laughs> English version, they said they were heading to some nebula just behind Jupiter, which I thought was yeah. very funny. <laughs> makes no sense. Yeah, That's okay though. It's fine. <laughs> no, it makes it almost better. It's like it. We, you, you immediately are like, oh, I don't have to worry about these things. Yeah, like I can just <laughs> let go and, and be part of it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Place. There were so many cool little props too, not just the set itself, but like the radiation detector, their suits, the little guns they had. Like mm-hmm. they really fucking did it. It was so retro spacey. Yeah. No holster though. Where did they, I, I kept thinking about when he's walking around, he has the flag and he has the gun. And I keep thinking like, man, if he had a holster, this spaceship would be incredible. But <laughs> yeah. they're missing something big. Speaking of, uh, speaking of the flag, uh, their ship had the Japanese flag on it. I, I guess it's a Japanese ship. That just seems weird that it's for the world and it's, uh, there's just a big old Japanese, it's decorated with a Japanese flag. If we were to shoot a rocket into space from America for the world or whatever, there would be a <laughs> yeah. big old flag on there too. Yeah, well, similarly, the flag that they planted had both the Japan and America's flag on it, which... Made me think at first, I was like, yeah, I guess those are the two nationalities that send people. But then I'm like, 
yeah, but all these other countries are probably perfectly like, I want to send our, we want to send our astronaut, we want to send our astronaut. Why is it that they're the ones that get decided to get to be on the flag? It's just. Well, and I mean, at least according to the way flags work in the U.S., there's a hierarchy based on how high the flag is. And the flag had a flag that was blue that I'm assuming was the space authority on top, then Japan, then the U.S., which seems like a very specific statement of the order of importance. So it's weird that the one that was considered the most important wouldn't be on the ship. It's also funny, like, the U.S. would never be caught dead doing a mission where their flag was on the bottom. That would not happen. Yeah, Astronaut Glenn was the co-pilot. I mean, that's he's the second most important nationality on that spacecraft. (laughs) True. Did you all have other... uh, set or prop things you wanted to mention before we move on i mean in general like bar kind of touched on this the lighting in this was really cool it seemed to be doing different things uh than a lot of these movies do like the way that they would show the the zillions and like grouped up uh in bright light but then everything else was, would be darkened out or like when uh they're talking about the water and then uh they put the bubble over glenn and uh fuji and the yes that looks so good yeah everything's so good yeah um it really seemed to keep the lighting more in mind and trying to do interesting things with it than uh uh i often notice at least with these movies what do you all think of that um if we're if we're moving on to like just general like other special effects or camera work or lighting like What'd you all think of that uh that spiral UFO tunnel that when they went back? You know what I'm talking about? I thought that was fucking sick. I have no oh idea what yeah, yeah. That and they also had them as uh like control panels on the walls and the inside of the base too. Like oh, those yeah, like that looked like yeah I don't psychedelic know. like stained glass things. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Totally, I want whatever that is in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what Charlie, you're talking about. The tunnel about. I'm talking about is when they bring them back, when they bring uh, the monsters to uh-huh. the planet, the UFO, you know how like the people go in like a cylinder? Yeah. Down? Well, the, the thing opens and the UFO flies into it. And it's like this fucking like Willy Wonka looking like spiral blue thing. I don't know how to explain it other than like a dazed cartoon character's eyes <laughs> spiral um, that they go into. And it's just kind of wild. That sounds pretty neat. I wish I didn't have a decayed brain, but don't we all don't we all the, the, the other uh, effect they did a lot in this movie that I thought they did better than earlier movies is um, like during the like destruction scenes and stuff like that. They did a really good job of having like a low camera looking um, mm. looking up over, you know, like from the street up to buildings. And like you see Ghidorah flying around over there and it like it gives a, a sense of their size a lot better than a lot mm-hmm. of the earlier ones, I think. And even the later ones, because they kind of run out of money after this. And yeah, start well, I guess a little rough. They're already starting to run out of money. Apparently they use lots of, or not lots, but they use some shots from Rodan that they put in this. Oh, really? What? That's what oh, Kalas book that. said, which I didn't notice, I but. Not at all. I, Interesting. Are you calling Kalat a liar? 
Uh, yeah, I always do because he's no uh, uh, brothers who just make shit up. <laughs> Any other filmmaking stuff you all want to talk about before moving on to the music? Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I, every like the UFOs look so good. The yeah. like so silly, you know, like really fun, fun UFOs. Like, uh, you know, like all the pulp paperbacks, how, how they all de- described UFOs. Um, and you can tell they're just kind of bobbing on like fishing line, but yeah. it like it somehow just works beautifully. Like they seem so out of place in, and they just seem so fragile, but then you see them do such destruction. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And um, the rocket that they, they have too is also like classic, like amazing stories. Um, yeah. Cover or something like that. Like it's so good. It's so cool. And it just really leans into all of it really hard and i don't know if that was kitsch at the time probably not but it like works it pushes all those buttons for me now definitely i thought the uh the space authority like base the miniatures there looked fucking awesome. oh yeah that that's one thing i wanted to say that yeah the miniatures of the base just look really cool and i always love when they have the miniature cars going by um which they yeah. they did in those shots Oh, the the <laughs> the other thing that I thought looked really awesome, also in kind of like a kitsch way, was the uh, I, at least in the English version they called them a beams, the thing that was supposed to like disrupt the magnetic field or whatever. Oh, the little like uh, drawn squigglies. Yes, so cool. Just Hell yeah, just little drawn squiggly lines. They're fun. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of that, like um the shooting of namikawa and then she kind of like evaporates but you see like the electricity like going through her like yeah i guess technically it looks bad or stupid or whatever but i think it's really fitting and looks cool and looks awesome Mm -hmm. and just like all those effects with uh just the moving godzilla and rodan around and uh uh having them float like like the like the baby in 2001 a space odyssey oh there you go it just like there's a couple the the other thing that made me okay so there's a couple things that reminded me of 2001 there's this whole talk about um basically being run by computers like the aliens are being told what to do by computers which is a major theme in 2001 there's and um the space bubbles and that they're going to like jupiter which is where they're heading in 2001 and i just thought oh shit damn someone watched this movie i uh i haven't seen 2001 since i was 21 um so like i don't know 14 years ago okay um uh probably about same for me yeah that's the only time i've ever seen it and it was like at like a party house i mean i, I mean we weren't in party mode at the time but it's with like uh probably at least like five other people and probably like drinking and weed in the air. Um, That's a fine so way I've been, to watch that movie. It's fine. I've been waiting to watch it again, like to catch it in theaters at some point, but I have some uh, LSD that I'm wondering maybe if I should watch that while, while doing that. Um, it could be, it'd be a fun experience. 
Yeah. You should do that. And then you should also watch it sober because it's just it's just a dope movie. Yeah. I mean, I want to. I've been waiting to catch it in theaters, like I said, but uh, that doesn't happen as much around here as it did in Los Angeles. And it's always just like, is my schedule's clear or whatever? So I've been putting it off specifically for that. But now I'm getting to the point where it's just like, what the fuck am I doing? I can just watch it on my Blu ray. Just go watch it. When, when did that come out? Uh, 77? No. No, no, no. 68. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say 60s. So maybe this had a little influence on that one rather than the other way around. Interesting. What do y'all think of... Do y'all have any particular thoughts about the music in this movie? Um, It starts with the military theme from Ifukube, which as soon as I started, I was like, I feel like I haven't heard that song in a, in a, for a few movies. Have we? Uh, was, I think you might be right. I don't know. Was it in a three, Three-Headed Monster? Like, I, is this the like boo do 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 I don't know. Uh, um yeah, I mean nothing particularly stood out to me. Like there's uh like that song and just um yes, uh Ifukube's good and the music in this is good and we've heard a lot of things we've heard before and it worked well and yeah. I think this is the first time in a Godzilla movie and maybe the the only time for the Showa era where the the diegetic music being played is not being played by a rock and roll band. And it's like that classical music when they're eating in the restaurant. Oh, yeah. I think Does that mean like the music that's in the actual scene. Yeah. 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 OK. I think yeah, every other one is a is a rock band. I'm not positive and next... about that. Man, they should have ate at a restaurant with rock music. That would have been sweet. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's, I, I feel like that restaurant was so fucking fancy. Maybe that was their whole thing. They were just trying to show how like out of his element, uh, Tetsuo was by being in that classical musical playing <laughs> restaurant meeting with a robot alien. He didn't know it was a robot alien. <laughs> um, yeah. One bad thing about the music is that, uh, uh, if Mothra is in this, we would be getting a song from the Shobajin, but that's a good point. she's not in it. So we don't get that Showbizen song. Canceled. That's that takes the music in this movie down three notches. How many notches are there? Uh, as many as I decide when I'm asked that question. Did y'all have a favorite shot? A favorite shot? Um, probably them getting dragged by the UFOs into space. Um, Hell yeah! The other one I really thought was very funny was the. Um, when they would show, they showed Godzilla and Rodan, like, I guess we call it, like, deactivated when they were under the aliens' control, but they weren't, like, doing anything. And it was, it just kind of felt like the equivalent of, like, two hobos, you know, <laughs> like, uh, leaning on trash cans or whatever, just, like, looking <laughs> bored. Um, it, I don't know. It really, it really made me laugh. That is a funny contrast between how we think of these monsters and what they're suddenly doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't consolidate on a favorite one, but I guess I'd throw out um, the victory dance is just classic. Um, God, no. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> this little jig. But yeah, I don't know. There were lots of, I just, I love 
Ghidorah so much. There's just lots of cool shots of him flying around shooting this lightning. I know that's mm-hmm. a cop out, but um, but also yeah, the shots of them being picked up by the UFOs and flown around were also some of my favorites. Oh, that was some good shit. The two bubbles over the lake. That was some yeah. good shit. Something I was uh, I was thinking about with Ghidorah like flying around shooting shit is how funny it was that he was just theoretically up on that planet by himself, just like <laughs> shooting at rocks all day. Just like <laughs> I, I mean, that was he so totally funny. was. <laughs> He's yeah. just like the gun nut of the kaiju <laughs> world. He's just gun nuts kind of extreme. I'm, you know, or maybe you know he's I mean. just he just wants to like shoot cans all day. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just like the neighbors that I literally just closed my window for just <laughs> yes. going nuts because yeah. they because they have the ammo. Why not? Maybe yeah. he's not. Maybe we got it all wrong. Ghidorah isn't malicious. He just has a condition where he can't stop firing his lightning. <laughs> Uh, did you ever think about oh, that? Yeah. I did not. I Maybe guess I got to gain some sympathy. I didn't really consider Ghidorah's socioeconomic position before uh, judging him. That's the only and thing I consider. Mental health, you know. Yeah, I mean, can Ghidorah get help if he needs it? I have no idea. I have no yeah. idea. He might be struggling. Totally. Um, I think. I forgot to think of a favorite shot, and I think I just have to go with the victory dance. <laughs> no, I hate it. Uh, no, the uh, the classic fucking uh, spaceship going through space with like dot stars flying past it. It's just so cool looking. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how they did that effect, but and it makes no sense. But it's just like ah, uh, here I am, the sixties. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like you know. All right, let's move on to the fucking story of this movie. So let's start where the movie starts with the astronauts. We got we got Fuji and Glenn. Let's start with Fuji. What'd you, what'd you all think of this dude? He's like, he's so weird because he, he starts as the main character. And then mm-hmm. like two thirds of the way through gets humiliated and moved out, moved out of the center like he's slowly losing ground to astronaut Glenn, and uh, until suddenly they all you know work as a team or whatever. But it's it's a weird thing to watch in a movie, you know. Yeah, totally. Feels like almost not super well planned out or something. No, <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. A kaiju movie, not super well planned out. I don't know. Never. <laughs> Yeah, but um, he's a he's a prick. Yeah, I was gonna say he's kind of a dick, and that's most portrayed by his uh, obsession with controlling his sister's love life, which is so fucking over the top. He's on a mission to an undiscovered new planet, and when he's on radio with Earth, he's like, "I need to talk to my sister <laughs> and make sure she hasn't done anything stupid," like. Yeah. That's a real insane level of controlling and obsession. Yeah. yeah. That's like, that's emotionally abusive shit. Not yeah. Not cool. <laughs> yeah. Fuji. From space. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's the first thing we see from him, right? He's like, yeah. I'm joking with my bro, and then I'm controlling my sister. It's like uh, Inception, 
or not Inception. Fuck. What's the movie? What's the Christopher Nolan in space movie? Sorry to reference him twice. Uh, Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah. How uh, how his daughter is sending him messages every twelve years or whatever, just saying like how much you know, how much I hate you or whatever. It's just yeah. like you have this unique ability and you're doing this very unique thing, and I'm <laughs> and uh, I'm using it to be just kind of nasty. <laughs> yeah, is that movie good? Oof. I I think it is. Is a lot of people hate it. I bought a copy. Because it was like 4 or $5 on Black Friday of pre my discount. So I was like, I'll pick that up and watch it sometime. But that was like five years definitely, ago. It's... Definitely worth a watch. Okay. The message is really bad. But like the yes. it moves perfectly and it, I think it's beautiful. And I'm yeah. pretty... I'm pretty unfamiliar with uh, Christopher Nolan. Like I've seen Memento and the first uh, Batman. I think he works really well if you decide to make all his protagonists the antagonist. Then, <laughs> yes. then every movie is like a masterpiece. Right. All of them. That's absolutely on the nose. Like the Batman trilogy is one of the best comic book trilogies if you don't think about the message. And if you think about the message, it is fucking infuriating. Yeah, <laughs> you just think about it. It means the opposite of what it's saying. Yeah. <laughs> and then... And then they're really cool movies. So he's probably a pretty shitty person. <laughs> I imagine. I don't know. I think he's just centrist. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> anyways, yeah. So, I mean, one thing is the movie does acknowledge that he's uh, his obsession is bad. I could easily see this movie just com- kind of like completely ignoring that it's fucked up how controlling he is of his sister. Um, but the movie does acknowledge it, but not to the extent that it should. It's kind of just like, oh, isn't this silly? And it's more like, this is a serious fucking abusive behavior. Um, well, it's it's weird because it's like you would hope if they're acknowledging it that he would pay a price for it like Mm -hmm. or something and it's kind of weird like what you said barto it's like the price he pays is meta it's not a price within the plot it's a price within the filmmaking that he no longer he's (laughs) decentered as the main character and to me that feels like probably a writing thing we're like oh shit we made this guy suck let's just start writing more <laughs> but in the movie it's this yeah this strange meta like thing oh that's that's a, that's very interesting way of thinking about that <laughs> oh, i love that <laughs> wow you mentioned something barto when we were talking about this about uh how weird it is that the scientists have such versatility yeah oh yeah he's an astronaut he's a physicist he uh commands the military at some point (laughs) he's just all and he's an older brother Uh, (laughs) the hardest profession of them all it kind of reminds me of like 17th century and before like experts where it was like oh yeah i'm a mathematician because i know one plus one equals two and i'm a alchemist because i've read this one book and i'm a philosopher because i think god is everywhere it's like you don't need that much to cover it all yeah Yeah. your credentials are uh like up for less debate i wish we could go back to that so i could become president (laughs) 
it, I guess it's just like a pre-specialization thing. But in the 60s, I don't see how that flies. Like, how do you yeah. become one of two dudes who gets to go to this new planet that we named with the coolest letter in the alphabet? But you also are the one who's going to try to figure out how these, like, squiggly lines work. Yeah. And then and then at the end, they give astronaut Glenn the ambassadorship to Planet X, you know? like. Well, he is an American white male, so I think he's probably a good choice. An, an astronaut, the the greatest of the American white males in the 1960s, <laughs> were, were astronauts. Yeah. <laughs> so astronauts, pirate, uh, pilots, military. I liked when they go to the lake and uh, the military's there monitoring it for Godzilla. And they're like, no public allowed. And he just says, we're, we're with the space agency. And they're like, oh, go right ahead. Yeah. Then he runs to the next soldier. It's like not allowed. It's like we're this we're with the space agency. Oh, it's okay. You can stay here. Like no credentials or anything. He's just like I'm with the space agency. Oh, go right ahead, sir. I'm gonna just every time. I'm gonna have never tried that before. And you're with (laughs) a a, a white American male, so yeah, you can go anywhere, buddy. (laughs) Maybe it works. Let's talk about that white American male. So. Yeah, this movie has a weird way of, again, starting with Fuji and then centering on the white dude. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, same white dude as uh, Our last white Conquers dude. the World. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Bowen. He's a funny fucking dude. He is funny. He has two convertibles. That was like a thing I noticed. Is he I drives two different convertibles. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. That, that's so <laughs> That great astronaut money he's um, making. Sorry, uh, yeah. Nick Adams. Just wanted to correct that. I think Bowen was his name in the last movie he was in. But oh, Nick that's Adams. right. You might have been right. Nick Adams. Um, I really liked the way he talked. He had lots of funny turns of phrase, mm-hmm. like stinking rats and a pile of beans, and he called somebody a fink. <laughs> <laughs> called somebody a fink. I don't song. remember that. Uh, it's like you no good fink or something like that. Oh. Uh, my my favorite quote from him in the um in the dubbed version was when they were approaching the planet. I don't remember what what uh, Fuji says to him, but he responds, "That's the universe. Nobody <laughs> knows its secrets." <laughs> yeah. I thought that was such a funny way. Of, uh, I feel like in the dubbed version, he especially takes center stage for me because he's the only one that isn't dubbed. And so he just, I don't know. It's like he's in the, he's the only one not in the movie or something. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I can't imagine acting that way. It's not so weird. Yeah, dude. So Collat had this quote. So I'm assuming it's from the, uh, uh, the dubbed version. Uh, I guess he says, in defense of earth, we're going to fight to the last man, baby. Uh, oh yeah <laughs> i appreciate that a lot <laughs> yeah hell yeah that is not what he says in the japanese version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great but i i also like him he uh he's constantly sticking up for the women in this movie yeah yeah his character is just really likable all around and that's that's a big reason why it's like um with all that controlling stuff we talked about with uh a Fuji, like he's constantly kind of like butting him, be like, you know, this is weird and wrong, and then he's like trying to back up Tetsuo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he he's great. Oh, they they get to the when they go back to the planet, and he discovers that all the women there look like his girlfriend, who over a matter of 
days, maybe, he decided he was going to marry. Uh, I'll marry you when I get back from space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, he gets there and the, the controller is like, aren't you excited that uh, all the women here look like, you know, your fiance? And he's just like, beauty isn't only skin deep you know and uh yeah it's in the like, heart yeah <laughs> and i'm like hell yeah astronaut glenn yeah it's it's funny because i feel like at first they try to portray him as like a ladies man in the negative way like oh i'm taking this girl out like almost like a player mm-hmm. and then it turns out he's the one who like gives a shit about more than aesthetics it turns out he's the one i mean i do think he's a little quick to be like well you want to get married already i'll marry you when i get back like it just feels like a little dismissive but she wants him to stay and get married instead of going to another planet to secure the cure for cancer i'm sorry but that's more important no i don't mean dismissive by saying no i'm not gonna get married now dismissive of like it almost felt like he's just trying to appease her. Like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll do that later. And he didn't actually consider, oh, yeah, I'll commit to you for the rest of my life. You know? Yeah. It did kind of come off like that when he was saying it. But I don't know. With his character, I felt like he actually... I, I think he sure. meant it. Meant it, yeah. He loved that lady. Yeah. I felt it. Damn. Hell yeah. I, I felt his hurt when she got vaporized. <laughs> you know? Definitely. No, he definitely... <laughs> seem to give a fuck by the end what y'all think about the fact that like what i mean if we're just talking about these two guys there's this weird thing where they're like we don't we shouldn't trust this these aliens and then there's like a weird time jump where they're different wearing different clothes and they're like we're going to planet x (laughs) and you're like wait i thought you didn't trust him and then it's like oh they had a plan but the plan is just to walk around (laughs) yeah like that shit just seems so kind of haphazardly thrown into the movie I you know, I, I I sort of had this. Uh, they're just following orders, you know. It's they're ju- they're the two astronauts, you know, mm-hmm. and who get to go to space, so they have to go to space. You know, totally that makes sense. Like they didn't. It's not like they actually had the plan. They're like, I don't know if I trust them, and they're like, Oh, but you know, we got to lick the boot, and then they get there, and they're like, Something seems off. Let's check out behind the curtain. I guess. Yeah, I I don't know. I have no idea. But you're right. It if this was a plan, it was a very ill-conceived plan. Yes. Did yeah. did you all get thrown off by that like did you all feel like there was a weird time jump like they're all kind of standing in a crowd by the lake and then boom, they're like in different places wearing those jumpsuits or was that me missing something? No, I think I felt kind of weird about that too. I think that was did jump out to me that it just seems like a yeah, a complete just jump. Like there definitely should have been some shots in between there. But when the the guy said, uh, "I'll marry you when I get back," that was when I realized like there's no sense of time in this movie yeah. at well, all. Okay. Things just yeah. move. Yeah. Well, when <laughs> they sure. uh, can just when it's like just a few hours to travel between planets, that yeah. is like oh, okay, this is uh, not in our time dimension. <laughs> Yes. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Before we move on to someone else, um, I wanted to go over a few things Collat said about Nick Adams, um, character that played Glenn. So, uh, 
this, as we mentioned, this was a co-production with an American studio and, uh, the, as was the last movie. Um, and the head of that studio, Saperstein, I guess it was his idea to have, um, an American star, uh, so that they can market it to American audiences. That's why this actor is such a big character in this in the last movie. This actor, he mostly been in supporting roles. Uh, most notably, probably, he was in Rebel Without a Cause. Um, but yeah, he was kind of a second-tier actor. He ended up having an affair with the actress that played um, Namikawa. Uh, I think that was in his... I mean, I think that happened probably in the last movie because she was also in that. Um, yeah, she was. Yeah, so they had like a big off-screen affair. He had a wife in America. Um, he was on TV on a talk show when he mentioned he was getting divorced, which was the first time she heard about it. So oh, they had like a very shit. messy public divorce, him and his American wife. He was having this affair with her, with uh, uh, Namikawa. Uh, and I know that Apparently, it was messy in Japan, too, because there was this whole trend of, like, American men coming to Japan to get Japanese yeah. women and Japanese men being upset about it. So, like, he wasn't liked by a lot of that makes people sense. there, too. Um, there's also probably just a lot of uh, still anger about all the, like, the American troops and stuff who uh, yeah hooked up with Japanese women and stuff like that. Um but yeah, so this is a big downer. Um, but yeah, so through the years, I guess he had multiple divorces and remarriages with his wife. Um, and I guess the actress played Namikawa eventually uh, left him because she didn't want to keep on having this affair. But in on February 6th, 1968, at 37 years old, he committed suicide. Yeah. Um, after. Uh, so a lot of people attribute like this whole kind of long affair and uh, divorces and marriages to, to that. But interesting story. Definitely a downer. But yeah, thanks, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. So no, you, you're yeah. correct. <laughs> it's a trip too. I know that he like wanted very badly to be like the next big American star. And there's like conflicting stuff about whether he was actually friends with like Elvis or I think James Dean or whether he like kind of tried to latch onto them for their fame and it just it the whole thing seems kind of kind of weird and sad I feel like this was probably his peak right here and I mean he does a good job he's one of the highlights of the last two movies but it's uh not what he was shooting for I guess um that reminded me of one thing uh so I'm going to read straight from the book. Um, by 1963, Adams was desperate for higher billing, and he, lobbered, he lobbied feverishly for an Oscar nomination for his performance in Twilight of Honor. He explained publicly, a nomination for me means that Twilight of Honor will bring in another million dollars and supply more funds for Hollywood pictures. Next, it means that I, as a Hollywood star, can make more films in Hollywood and stop this runaway productions which is killing Hollywood. I will never make a picture abroad. When Melvin Douglas won the Best Supporting Actor for his role in, in HUD, Adams promptly left Hollywood to make pictures abroad. <laughs> Damn. Gnarly. <laughs> All right, y'all want to move on to the Zillions? Zillions. Were they Zions in your movie? I don't remember what they were called. 
I could call them zillions because it sounds like silly, which they kind of were. <laughs> the zillions are a fucking trip. They're like some, I don't know, some weird like 60s sci-fi meets the Matrix fucking dudes. And when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh man, these guys are like, they're kind of acting like colonizers. And I thought I was like onto some subtle shit. And then they're like, you are now our colony. It's <laughs> <laughs> just super overt. Um, and like the main guy's called the controller. So, I mean, what'd y'all think of them? I mean, I guess starting with the look, like, what rad. is that? I don't know. It's rad. It's, yeah, it's cool. I I I feel like those sunglasses like came in, uh, like got big again a couple of years ago. I don't remember, but uh, yeah, I think they look awesome. I there's something I I kept trying to think of like what do these costumes look like like historically, and I have no idea. But I was like something about the men zillions about their collars are just fascist to me. Yes. Yeah. 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 Totally. But I don't know why. Because no, the I mean, uh, it, costumes it, in this movie were designed by Hugo Ball. Wasn't that? <laughs> Hugo Boss did the... Yeah, Hugo Boss. Hugo Boss. Boss got Hugo... It. Yeah, sorry. Damn, that guy's still around, okay. motherfucker. Yeah. Riding around in his Volkswagen, using his IBM. Oof. <laughs> um, did y'all think it was purposeful that these were the colonizers dressed like fascists kind of in ways we can't fully explain and their skin was like extra white i didn't i don't think that i didn't they were like pasty white yeah well i kind of doubt it was on yeah. purpose but i like to think it was like yeah. a lot of things in this movie they don't get a lot of sunlight they just live underground so true it it would true, be true, weird true, true. to me if the american studio made the uh Americans are colonizers movie in <laughs> 1960s Japan. I don't know. I'm not positive, but could be Europeans uh, are colonizers. No, yeah, I didn't think it was on purpose. I just think it's a funny coincidence. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um because it feels like a movie about colonization like a little bit. And a little uh, just hints there here and there. Yeah. But they never really do it. There were so many things about them being colonizers that, like, it's just, it. a lot of it just fits too well, but also doesn't seem purposeful. It's like all their attempts to make them be weird aliens also fits really well. Like, mm -hmm. the guy's called the controller, they're controlling everyone, the women are subservient to the men, the, like, uh they destroy anyone who's using emotion and they classify everything by numbers. Like it's just too much, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, something I was thinking about, uh, was they have this whole, the women are being controlled by men and that sort of falls apart. And there's the same sort of storyline going on with the brother and the sister. And, this idea of control and it's and it's it feels like they're going to meet at a point somewhere mm. and they just never do but yeah it's again i don't know if they meant to do this but yeah it's uh there is another I thing i meant to look for this on my second watch but i didn't get to the part but the movie starts with uh glenn and fuji 
traveling to X and they have to make a slight, they're communicating with the base and they have to make a slight correction to their speed. And then at the end, when the zillions are escaping, they have to make some kind of correction and they can't. And that I think attributes to their destruction because they're not getting communication from their base. And I feel like maybe a part of me is like, is that supposed to be some kind of comment that it starts with the earthlings being able to, uh, communicate and make a correction and the zillions you know something to do with how they're controlled by a computer and i don't know um i just thought that was kind of weird oh interesting you're right i mean yeah there is i like this whole movie is full of stuff that like like y'all are calling out these really good connections and i'm seeing some and like it's so hard to know what's intentional and what's not and what is like them taking tropes from sci-fi that are based, you know, sci-fi, the last bastion of philosophical thought. Like there's, there's, there's lots of sci-fi tropes that are very deep that they're just using without maybe thinking about the fact that they are rooted in analysis of like anti-colonization, but they're getting thrown together in these ways where it's hard to know if they're meeting, you know? Yeah. Especially cause this was made by Honda and it's like, you know, he does have kind of like some deep thoughts that he's concerned about portraying, but it's also, He's also somebody who's very committed to being a, a just a worker for the studio, and he'll do the product that they want him to make. So yeah, he'll yes. often just throw out his what he cares about um, at at service of making just an entertaining movie. So it is kind of it's always hard with his movies, kind of like how much of this is actually there. Yeah, yeah, yeah and like like uh, most colonizers. They have advanced technology, advanced medicine over who they're colonizing, and they're making big promises. They're offering friendship and peace, and they're offering the fucking cure for cancer as a reward for help, which is just like, there's a a lot of parallels between all kinds of colonial projects and the bullshit promises that are not kept. Um, Specifically, though, Barto, you, you pointed out kind of a parallel between these things and like silicon valley big tech do you want to talk about that for a sec oh yeah i mean this is one of those like silly uh connections but this is what i was like i couldn't stop thinking about this while i was watching this movie because they're talking about you know like the characters um the aliens actions basically being uh based on algorithms you know like even like I don't know what the line is in the Japanese version, but uh, when Glenn is confronting his fiance uh, at the end before she gets uh, phasered away or whatever, and she says like, "No, it's not my programming that makes me love you." She says, "I have found a love beyond all computation." And it just like, it feels like there's this, it it feels like the aliens are like Silicon Valley and they're, they're like, tech will save you. You know, we have the fucking cure for cancer. You know, you just need to give us and, and we'll say Godzilla and Rodan are like, uh, Tax breaks and angel investors, or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And we just need to give you these, and you'll give us 
the cure yeah. for cancer or whatever, or the cure for yeah. waiting for a cab. Uh, and uh, but they're lying, you know, <laughs> they're lying, <laughs> just like big tech lies. But yeah, I don't know. There was just all this talk of control and and algorithms and programming, and I just kept going right back to that, which uh, yeah, uh, made me laugh while I was watching it. They predicted Silicon Valley. <laughs> it's interesting too that like they make big promises and and you kind of feel like they believe them too. Like we get the real sense that the zillions are actually running out of water, but they're like, no, we have this hydrogen dioxide plant. We can make water, but the plant's like failing. And like mm-hmm. it, it very much feels like big tech in that way of like, no, 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 we'll just make our own water. Don't worry. But like, oh shit, it's not working. We got to, we got to colonize. Um, is mm-hmm. a trip. Well, well, what happened there was uh, Gira destroyed their plant, which first of all brings into question how much control they actually have over him. Um, yeah. And then when but they did brought... he destroy their plant? You know, maybe they had him do it because the plant wasn't doing anything. <laughs> it's, it's burning down yeah. your lot for a yeah insurance scam. But yeah, so Gira destroys or maybe uh maybe controlled or not controlled their water plant whatever the water plant's destroyed and then they after that they insist that they still have um they're still perfectly able to obtain water and they're not worried about water which the audience is like yeah that sounds like bullshit um (laughs) yeah but that 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 raises an important kind of thing though when considering them as colonizers because like when we talk about colonizing, it's a lot of time for like a, a resource, like a natural resource or like gold or oil or something like that. But this is important to their survival as a species, most likely. They're, it does, right? Don't you think that that if they don't start finding water that they're going to actually die out? Which I think has to be said is different than... Uh, going in and colonizing the place for gold when you're talking about the, um, I just think that as an, an extra dynamic to it where there is more to it. Um, sure. But they're, but there's still, their methodology isn't different, right? They're not yeah. like, Hey y'all, we have this tech we can share. Let's work together. They're like, you have to obey us or you're all going to fucking die. Oh yeah. 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 Their methodology is the same and it is shitty how they go about everything i just think it has to be considered this the survival of the species yeah. does depend on this but then that also brings in a question like there's other there's other bodies in space that we know of that uh contain water like go get that shit um uh yeah there's and, no slaves there to uh scoop the water up yeah and yeah <laughs> good point yeah who's bringing your glass yeah. to your mouth <laughs> <laughs> yeah and obviously as you're saying they're just we're going to destroy you for your water or you can be our slaves when they could be like, Hey, uh, your, con- your planet has a shit ton of water and we need water and we can have like a mutual relationship. Yes. I'm not and saying that their position is defendable. I'm just oh, saying there not. is an extra and- dynamic to it. Um, when comparing it to just a country and being like, we hear, this South American place has tons of gold, so we're going to fucking murder all of you and uh, force you to mine the gold. There's only, like, 12 of them. I feel (laughs) like... uh, 
that was the thing. That was the one thing about the Zillions is that they're like, we're going to send 12 people to take over Earth. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's like more audacious than like the Cuban revolution, which was a pretty audacious, you know, maneuver. But they're like, nah, just 12 people. 12 people and three monsters. Yeah. Well, yeah. But Earth is pretty big. <laughs> we, it only yeah, took that's... 12 apostles to overthrow paganism. Don't forget. That's you... true. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, you would think this uh, super advanced uh, race would have insane weaponry at their hands. Like, like an arsenal of nukes, you could take out the fucking planet with that. Like, you don't need to do this whole plot where you have to brain brainwash of fucking giant monsters to, to unleash them on earth like i f- feel like they could have gone about this a lot easier ways and yeah they're com- they're super technology technologically advanced like come on you you could yeah. have some badass weapons for sure but True. but are they they might just have automatic doors <laughs> opening <clothes laughs> and and the ability to get into space that's uh, and, and the bubbles this magnetic wave and but oh the bubbles are really yeah. advanced that's true yeah <laughs> i forgot about that okay word word okay point proven <laughs> that does it yeah that's all you need man yeah. um automatic yeah, doors bubbles and space bubbles travel anywhere. and bubbles the world's your oyster yeah. as long as you're uh yeah. not taken down by lady guards um, um do, do you think that uh they were lying when they said that they're underground because Ghidorah was attacking, so they had to go underground. Because there's no ruins of buildings on that planet. It's just rocks that we see. You would see some signs of a civilization. Not only that, how long has Ghidorah been there? Because he was on Earth just a little bit ago. Do we imagine he came here and then it's like, yo, I'm going to go fuck up this other planet. I'll be back in a minute. And then he came back. Right? Like they have uh, this that's huge. That's kind of what uh, I imagined. They have this huge underground civilization that they or un- underground bases that they've built up. Like this didn't just fucking start. So <laughs> has I this been going it's on too for damn a long cold time? To live on that planet, I bet it's too damn cold. And they they're just lying. They're trying to look sympathetic to the Earthlings who get to live on the surface. You know, no, because and, uh, uh, yeah, we're the victims. When they first get there, the uh, Glenn and Fuji they say that the planet's a lot warmer than they would expect with from how far oh, away from the sun yeah. it is. Oh, damn! Uh, you're memory. right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, very good memory. Well, I bet it's very cozy. You know, a few feet underground, <laughs> a little closer. To the, I bet. I mean, it's like being wrapped in a blanket all day. <laughs> I think what this proves is we need that side movie where we find out what the fuck Gator's deal is. Yeah, maybe that's thinking about this is why that really popped in my head. What the fuck has Gator been up to? Yeah. So <laughs> speaking of complicating the colonizer thing, we have this also situation where the colonized aren't like a simple people who, Mm -hmm. you know, are just living off the land. It's fucking nations and colonizers themselves. We talked about their flag already that they were trying to put down on the planet. And it's, it's weird because it's not just like, I feel like there is like you, you y'all mentioned, like we have the, the, the Japanese flag on the, on the spaceship and shit, but it's not just, it's this weird, like 
different alternate reality of Japan and the U.S. where they've been in space way longer, right? Because they say something like, oh, no, we haven't lost a space pilot in 30 years. And it's like, so this is 1960X. So let's say it's 1969, to give them the benefit of the doubt. That means we haven't lost a space pilot since 1939. Whereas in our reality, the first person in space is 1961. Like, what? It's very strange, right? Maybe had had in reality had anyone had we lost a space person uh, <laughs> in that time frame because <laughs> ten thousand years they could be right. <laughs> Seems like an yeah, odd they're choice. They're just underselling it. <laughs> <laughs> I just I got the vibe from this movie that there was definitely some. You know, if I'm Japan during this time. The U.S. obviously have been kind of occupying us forever. They're the ones who go to space. There's definitely something nationalistic to me about the portrayal of Japan in this. Where like we're the yeah. ones who go to space. We get the flag, and in this reality, we've been going to space way longer than the Americans. So it's interesting that they're then the the colonized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's. Uh, I think this metaphor works, <laughs> but I mean, be like. You know, it could just be like U.S. military bases post World War II in Japan. You know, that could sure. be what they're thinking about. Sure, uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah, and they they do mention. There's one quick mention uh, of that the U.S. might nuke the monsters, right? Um, yeah, which I don't know. Throws another little thing in it the u.s are still the threat to japan even while what? the aliens are coming it's just interesting was it that the u.s and you come i yeah okay so, uh, something happened in new york i can't remember what they said but it was something no new york was the last movie there's something where they said the u.s would nuke them so. they do they do bring up new, uh new york uh i think Ghidorah is over in, in uh new york or maybe they just said america um okay i i don't maybe we had different uh translations because i feel like in mine they talk about bombing them with hydrogen bombs but i don't think they specifically mentioned the u.s and it's just like the defense organization i don't know if it's like the space authority or whatever agency yeah but uh, i'm pretty sure they didn't directly mention the u.s um for sure which brings up another thing uh when they first come back with the decision of whether or not to go along with the zillions um and let them take Rodan and Godzilla. It looks like that debate is happening at the Diet in Japan, and which <sighs> seems like a super weird, like why there? Not only that, the first well, person Japan's been in space since thirty nine. We all just trust Japan point. with all of our decisions now. <laughs> the, the the first person to voice their opinion on it is like a, uh, um, the medical delegate, which. I guess, which makes sense um, to some extent. I still wouldn't think they would be first, but that, you know. I feel like they'd be biased. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. They'd be pretty biased. Um, But then the (laughs) second one that voices their opinion is the head of the housewives delegation. (laughs) (laughs) What? And that's it. (laughs) Yeah, and then that's that's all you hear from. Yeah, my translation didn't tell me who either of those people were, so this is news to me. That's okay, amazing. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, she's the head of the a housewives delegation. Which, there's a housewives delegation, and 
they get to talk about whether or not to trade our monsters for cancer, for cure for cancer. So we got the guy who thinks about cancer all the time. We got the housewives, and we're out of time. Okay. <laughs> Maybe oh, housewives, housewives. I mean, housewives are cleaning up after Godzilla and Rodan more often than. That would make know. sense. That's yeah, that would be my guess. That's the labor we don't, you know, that's not talked about enough, for sure. Well, well that brings exactly. up another thing that I brought up in my synopsis. Yeah. Like, why would this be a difficult question for them? It's not like these people like Godzilla. Yeah. Um, Godzilla isn't a hero up to this point. The only time he's been heroic is the last movie where uh, Mothra convinced him to and Rodan to fight against Ghidorah. But besides that, he's been widely hated by the public. So why are... And and Rodan too. So why are they like? Oh, I don't know about this. Uh, when I don't know, we want to get Charlie, rid the of these only, monsters. The only pastime that unites all of the countries of the world is bullying giant monsters. <laughs> That's as we learned true. Last That's true. They do love to bully <laughs> giant monsters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's so weird. It's like we're expected to just know that Godzilla is going to turn into a defender of Earth soon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is like that because they, I'm sure they had already decided that we we're going to make Godzilla into a heroic figure. That's that's what they started trying to do with this movie in the last movie. But obviously the audience wouldn't know this at this point. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well... As someone who loves Godzilla, I was torn about whether or not they should <laughs> give Godzilla to the Martians. Totally. I mean, I don't think they should give him to the to to them, but I'm biased. I like Godzilla. I love Godzilla, even if he was just a city destroying yeah. boy. <laughs> I I do like just to close off the the colonizers section. I do like uh, Glenn's. Glenn emulating the spirit of resistance that clearly the movie stands behind. Um, Barto, you mentioned the conversation between him and uh, uh, Namikawa when he realizes she's a robot. But in the Japanese version that I have, at least, he says, we're not like you, not robots. What kind of peace would it be if we were controlled by machines? In defense of Earth, we're going to fight to the last man. Now where's your conscience? Or have you turned that over to the computers, too? Which is, like, just a great, you know, that could fit in, like, you know, Terminator, The Matrix, like, all the greats. Yeah. It's right there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Terrific writing. Yeah. Uh, Glenn is... He's so much likable in this than his character in the la- in uh Fra- versus <laughs> yeah. Frankenstein. Um, yeah. When in both movies, I feel like they're trying to make him likable, but it's just so much more successful in this. Uh, like yeah. he actually yeah. earns it in this. He's a cool character. The the one thing uh that I wanted to say about the controller before we move on from the Zillions is um I I thought it was. So the scene or Glenn's explaining that in his cabin that night, in his room, the controller was there. Oh, yeah. And, um, which I thought was really funny as someone who's like really interested in like the the sort of history of like the like contactee to like alien abduction sort of mythos and how mm-hmm. that sort of like grew and changed and stuff like that. Like in the 
40s, 50s, 60s, like aliens didn't come in your house. You know, that wasn't like they people always met them like driving around or flying yeah. in airplanes or things mm. like that. Like never that didn't happen until like the 80s. And I just thought it was communion. Like, so wacky. That, yeah, 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 like communion and stuff like that. And I just thought, I'm like, oh, man, they predicted that, too. (laughs) It's not happening. And Glenn was so chill about it because he's a very chill guy about pretty much everything. And he was just like, yeah, the controller was in my room last night when I was sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. I also like how Fuji was like, well, maybe you're dreaming. Maybe it's a nightmare. He's just like, no, it wasn't that. And it's just yeah. <laughs> like he doesn't like give any reason like how he knows it wasn't that or how he knows how he and he's just like no it wasn't that <laughs> and then Fuji's just like oh okay <laughs> in, yeah in in mine he at least says like oh yeah we know the difference between dreams once we wake up like kind of like I'm awake now but <laughs> it does that does fully fit with the weird communion whole. thing like like the the whole you know in your room thing it's like almost like it's almost like uh the i don't know if y'all know the like screen memories like people would be like like yeah. where were you for two days and you showed up naked and they're like i saw an owl and they're like that doesn't explain two days of you being gone and they're like i saw an owl and it's just like like he's just convinced oh no wasn't a dream like i saw it but like the guy's like maybe i don't know it just feel it feels related to the weird kind of what is reality screen shit of of aliens just being in your fucking life i've um yep 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 yep. i've never read communion i got the book from you but i've still never read it it's fucked up dude Uh, i i read it like a couple months ago and i was like oh i get how this broke so many people's brains like (laughs) yeah so many people read that book and were like this happened to me too yeah and um i'm i'm someone who like I'm very interested in aliens and stuff like that, but I don't think like that they, these things actually happen in any sort of real like reality that you or I could access. You know, um, there aren't aliens coming into people's rooms, but like mm-hmm. people, when I read that book, I'm like, oh, I get how you can yeah. think that way. <laughs> you know, Just like, didn't he write like later, five later sequels ones. or something? What? Yeah. D- don't read the later ones. You will not feel that way anymore. Yeah. He's like, oh, I just remembered <laughs> that I went to an entire uh, academy of these aliens. Like, yeah, so I remember like the oh. first one. The first one kind of seems believable to a lot of people. But then like with all the sequels, it just starts getting like, no. <laughs> like, this I, is I bullshit. choose to believe he's not a grifter. I think that he read his own book and lost his mind. Like w- mm-hmm. went deep. Like he thought it was... Yep. Like, you know, he started accessing imagination as memories and not being able to tell the difference is my, my personal yep. thought. But maybe that takes too much agency I, away I, from him. No, I think I that's lots and lots of people. Yeah. I think that's yeah. completely correct. Yeah. At least with the first book. I don't know about the other stuff. but Yeah, that book yeah. scared the shit out of me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. Collat points out in his book, which I think is a really good point, um, that's very ironic that the one zillion we see uh, display individuality is one of the female clones. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting aspect. It seems to be a comment that they're trying to make about something. Yeah, I mean, let's talk saying? about that. I mean, there's something to the fact that, you know, all the 
there's a lot of weird feminist readings of this movie, right? Yeah, like yeah, totally. Like yeah, it's it, yeah. I I don't know. It it, it doesn't it, except again if you if you go with my big tech reading of this movie where you know we're talking about uniformity uh in a way uh you know accessibility and uniformity in a way that uh you know tech or you know other <clears throat> major marketplaces offer us yeah but I, I don't know if that's what they mean i feel like there's something to the fact that i mean obviously there's something to the fact that all the women look the same and also they're supposed to be subservient and because they're colonizers it makes me think i it's hard for me not to equate everything as a criticism of the colonizing mindset of like oh you're not just colonizing you're not just trying to assimilate uh these other cultures into your way of life you're also assimilating the gender that you have control over into your ideal aesthetic and into your idea of of gender norms of how you're supposed to act and it's all related you're you're this is all like it's almost intersectional like you're you're doing this to yourselves just like colonizers are colonizing their own minds and their own people and their own fucking wives right yeah yeah yeah, yo. Uh, last note I have on her is that it's fucking wild that, like, uh, Namikawa's answer is for Glenn to get married to her so that she he can become a citizen of Planet <laughs> X and be saved. Like, woof. So you break free, but the patriarchy is still completely controlling your, your, your answers. Yeah, it's also crazy they still have this, uh, even on this Planet X, they still have these weird arbitrary rules of becoming a citizen of this place. Or... <laughs> yeah, That's so true. Well, he got married. We can't uh, kill him like all seven billion other people. Yeah. <laughs> this That's is sort so of inside, but some- in the sort of mundanity that exists, the sim- similar uh, bureaucratic nonsense that exists between mm-hmm. Planet X culture and Earth culture. I-, I saw some like Mesopotamian birth certificate and like footprint of the baby the other day. And I was thinking about how boring it is that we were doing that same shit like yeah. <laughs> five seven thousand years ago or whatever and we've not moved past that at all and i guess so it, i guess it makes sense that people on planet x are also stuck in the same rut where you just need to get the paperwork done oh, god damn it so you're saying i can never escape paperwork <laughs> it doesn't seem that way i feel yeah no i mean i'm i'm the same way i'm like someone who if I have to deal with anything where I need to like sign my name and check boxes, yeah. I'm like, no, it's God damn it. It's just, okay, I gotta, I gotta push back a little here. You fucking anarchists always have complaints and criticisms without any answers. Like if we don't have a certificate of your birth, how the fuck am I supposed to know you're alive? Come on now. <laughs> because I will show you with my love and my passion. Thank you, Charlie. So there's this other subplot with Haruno and Tetsuo that also plays into weird patriarchy stuff. And it's just so weird. Like, we already talked about Haruno's brother trying to control her. 
and her she i mean she pushes back she calls it out as i think one of y'all said like he treats me like a child but then you also have her boyfriend tetsuo who like it just feels like his entire role until the end is to be emasculated by the other characters yeah you know what i'm saying yeah like uh fuji says something when they're having that lunch together and he just like kind of goes along with it and agrees or whatever and uh, haruno turns to him and he's right. like you're agreeing with him like, like what are you yeah, doing like just fucking stand up for yourself for the fucking smallest little bit like yeah he just kind of yeah. like goes along with it like yeah i mean but but again it's it's weird the whole by the end of the movie the dynamics of everyone has Mm -hmm. like shifted a little bit and you know he is again we're gonna go back to my big tech metaphor you know (laughs) he is the person who is who is providing for a need he is making a really annoying rape whistle that i'm going to use as part of my next power electronic set um because it sounds wild but he (laughs) he made a uh you know like a a tangible thing that can uh prevent a harm and you know he ends up being the the useful one at the end of the movie and overcomes the i don't know that i mean but it's that that makes me think that all we we keep talking about how you know, they're, they're dropping little things here, but we don't know if we're reading too much into it or if they really connect or if, like, they intentionally connect or, or they just connect unintentionally. But it's his storyline that makes me think there's something to the writers that were intentionally making comments about, like, they wouldn't have used this terminology, but the patriarchy. Because mm-hmm. the guy who's emasculated, whose mom is yelling for him to shut up, who and uh, who's who's... Uh, like personal safety alarm that is the idea of it is to help women from fucking men is like bought by a toy company whose his girlfriend's brother is like talking down to him about how he doesn't have a real job. And then it turns out that his invention is the one that stops the colonizers, the fucking sexual assault fucking vehicles like the it's this it's a fucking trip. And by the end, he is kind of shown in a good light everybody has to realize that he knows what he's doing on his science beats you know we have the scene where fuji is doing the science saying we're gonna we're gonna like interrupt these waves and then he busts in and it's like i know a way to completely incapacitate the colonizers and it just feels too nice of a ribbon to be mis- a mistake you yeah know? i mean one thing adding yeah. on to that is the choice of device like a, a sexual assault alarm is like such a weird, weird out there choice of what the invention is going to be. It feels like it has to be intentional. Like there has to be meaning behind why it's specifically <laughs> this kind of uh, alarm to protect you from, uh, uh, you know, patriarchy uh, taken away. I, yeah. I, uh, it's 100%. assaulting you. Like it feels like there has to be a reason behind that because otherwise that's just so fucking out of In- left field. Unless historically, and God, I feel like I read something about this back when I first watched it, so I I might be misremembering, but I thought I read that at this time this was a growing concern, 
and so that those were more like big in japan like uh personal safety alarms which all so i could see it being like okay then that makes sense as a big thing but then at the same time it's like well you're thinking about this important thing that society and culture suddenly cares about so either way i feel like you're right it ties into the the writer's being tuned into issues like like feminist issues that have been clearly overlooked by most of these movies mm-hmm. up until now. But it's weird because I'm I'm sorry I forget her name. So, but the uh, the sister Haruna, um, she really does have like a very minimal role still. Yeah, yes. I was about you to know. respond with that same thing, but then you responded first, like. She kind of sorry, buddy. I hop on and I. (laughs) You're good. Um, But yeah, she's very reminiscent of like the (laughs) earlier female roles of just, uh, just them just having nothing to them and being very subservient and nothing important to them. Um, uh, Sorry, go on. No, no. Okay, but I I was just gonna say visually though, they do this thing where when they sort of like reveal that they have. Um, the answer for the aliens, and they're gonna go off and do their thing. It's like the the. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names, except for astronaut Glenn because that's so funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, they reveal they have the answer, and they're gonna go off and do their thing. And Glenn holds uh the sister and the boyfriend, you know, around the shoulders, and it's like it feels like very much like we're all on the same team. We're yeah we have become, you know, the heroes of this movie. Um, even though she doesn't actually in reality have that much to do what's going on with the plot. Yeah. It, it is so interesting that this is the first movie that I can recall of the like Toho era where we can talk about like patriarchy outside of the lens of just, are there professional women represented? But mm-hmm. then it's also one of the first ones in a few movies in a row where they don't have main characters that, you know, move the plot along in super substantial ways that are women. It's it's a weird fucking yeah. mess there. Yeah, which except, uh, if they had included the, Mothra. Uh... Oh, sorry. <laughs> if they had included Mothra, no, we would have that, that weird situation. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right, uh, Barto Namikawa. You're right. Uh but it's still a, it's still not a main role, right? Yeah. No, no, certainly not. Interesting. I feel like Namikawa is in this less than Haruno, but she's definitely feels like she has a lot more to do with the plot and yeah, it's a much more important role. Totally. Yeah. So this is back on the colonization point. Uh, when they're first on planet Earth, when they're discovered to be already trying to get Rodan and Godzilla and the humans confront them and they're all angry. Um, the Zillions are like trying to smooth things over and they say, uh, we should consider today a holiday called friendship day in honor of our two planets joining together for peace in our solar system. Just really reminded me of Thanksgiving. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) people going in and murdering all these people and then they have like one kind of nice meal as just like a sign and then they go on murdering and colonizing (laughs) but they give it a nice name didn't have 
I didn't have the friendship day line in oh. same <laughs> thing. Same, neither did I. Oh, well, I did. That slaps. They though. talk about making the day a holiday. <laughs> was it at the lake when the Zillions landed and were talking with the? Yeah, yeah. For me, it just said like we should think of this as a time of reaching friendship and peace. Oh well, yeah, on the cri- on the Criterion disc, which is the official version of whatever uh, Honda wanted things to be said, um, <laughs> <laughs> they say it's Friendship Day. That's amazing. And I oh, was like, yeah. this is totally just reminds me so much of Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, Jesus. Speaking of monsters, <sighs> let's go into giant some monsters. Let's go into these some of these uh these monsters as as pointed out earlier. I think this movie has the least amount of giant monsters of any of them so far. Yeah, they really um, skimp out on the monsters. Yeah, but uh, I, I think all the time they have is quality. Yeah, it's all yes. quality. Yeah, it's like quality. you order. Yeah. It's like you order shrimp fried rice, and you go, and it's like. You, they only have three shrimp in there, but then it's like the fried rice is the best rice you've ever tasted before. So you have conflicted feelings. <laughs> yeah. And Don't you agree, Alberto, that that's what it's like? It's just like shrimp fried rice. Yeah, see, that's our guest exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. You're two for it's two. It's so weird because shrimp means small, and these are giant monsters. Maybe they're jumbo shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's start with let's start with the Astro Monster himself, uh, Monster X Ghidorah. What'd y'all think of him in this one? He looks great. I, I mean, he looks like the last time we saw him, but like they don't have so many of those weird close-ups on his face to make it clear how like goofy <laughs> his face looks. Yeah, but um, but uh, they do again all those like low shots of Ghidorah. You know, it's just like. There's like a green screen behind the miniatures or whatever, and they got Ghidorah flying around, but it looks so good. And it looks good enough that they use it in like three other movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. All, all that stuff of them flying around looks great. The fight's pretty cool. Um, if I was like doing like a compilation of like, greatest godzilla fights this probably wouldn't be there but um sure but it's still rad it's fast you know, yeah yeah it's pretty fast yeah, yeah. gira looks fucking awesome you know elbarto said that uh they uh use some of the shots for three different movies and when i was watching it, i thought man if i was a director i'd use shots from this in three other movies that's how good this looks <laughs> Um, yeah, because it looks fantastic. Gator is just the coolest. He's so fucking cool looking. I, after watching this in the last movie, like I'm starting to wonder, like, is he knocking Godzilla out of my top three kaiju? Like, I just love how he looks. He just, I, I want to look at him so much more. <laughs> he, he's he looks incredible. It's just some of the best work that. Uh, that the Subaraya productions have put forth. It's just, I don't know. It, um, it's just amazing to look at. Uh, and yeah, uh, the fights definitely weren't the top fights. As I said before, the setting of the fight was probably the coolest thing about the fight. It's just such a unique setting that we're um, not going to see yeah. more of. 
Um, I really loved how the fight, they like, Godzilla kicks a rock at, at Ghidorah, then Rodan picks a rock up and drops it on Ghidorah, and then Godzilla throws a rock at Ghidorah. <laughs> um, and then Godzilla goes in and he starts, uh, fucking boxing him, and he, uh, <laughs> they shoot, they do like a close up of his, like, feet doing, like, a, a fancy boxing feet work, footwork. <laughs> um, and it's just very funny. And that would be a lot of fun if you're a boxer and you go up against a three headed opponent and, like, you have a friend that's pulling on his tail to make things easier. And then you can just go boppity bop, bop, bop uh, on th- all three of his heads. Like, that'd be so much more fun than boxing the one headed loser. <laughs> what we were all thinking when we were watching it for sure um should be yeah i i think that uh Ghidorah looks sick i do miss how hectic his heads were in the last one mm. they're a little chiller i think part of that is maybe that just because there is less shots of him there's less uh we don't we just don't get it i don't know if it was just he has chilled out or it's just because we there just weren't that many shots of him so there wasn't as much chance we go yeah, maybe. I When I was looking at his heads, I was like, they're going slower. Okay. I don't know. I mean, gravity is different. True. Did you have any more thoughts on Ghidorah, Barto? Uh, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to echo uh, Charlie and just, he looks freaking awesome. And I, <laughs> I love seeing him do awesome. stuff. And I even like seeing him get his ass kicked. You know, that... That ruled. It all ruled. Hell yeah. We. How do y'all feel about moving on to Godzilla, our big guy? I. I let's talk about the big guy. Let's talk about the big guy. That's not as big as Ghidorah. So I don't know why we're calling him the big guy. <laughs> I. I felt like Godzilla was just like rocking out, like having <laughs> yeah. such a good time. Like he kept just yeah. kind of being like, like after you like land a front flip at the X Games, you're just like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he was having a blast. Like yeah. I said, that fucking whole boxing thing, and he does the fancy footwork, and then he fucking does the victory dance. Like, it's all good. Yeah. And really, like, a low bar for ridiculous, silly things that Godzilla does in these movies. You know, there's some, <laughs> there's some really silly Godzilla stuff, but him mm-hmm. doing a little, like, weird jump. Uh, I, I would call it a jig. It was kind of yeah. a jig. Victory jig. Uh, victory jig. <laughs> and uh, that was, yeah, I don't know. It just worked. I'm fine do, with do it. Do you all know point. that that jig thing was like something that a famous star in Japan at the time was doing? It was like literally a cultural reference to like oh. a celebrity. Oh, no. Collat said something else. Oh, um. please tell me. It's been forever. I, th- I just assumed, I did no research this time, and I assumed one of y'all would have that. Uh, here is my note um victory dance resisted by much of the film's crew honda called it a disgrace um but apparently it was an homage to a japanese comic uh that's what it is aho matsukun which subarai was a fan of i thought when they said comic they meant um like a comic strip type of comic but yeah maybe it's like a comic like a comedian i believe so Um, yeah okay Huh. I, I, it's still awesome. I mean, it's sort of like uh, in the third X-Men movie 
when Juggernaut says, I'm the Juggernaut bitch or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, it's a little tacky. But if you saw X-Men 3 for the first time in, like, 2020, you would probably not think twice about it and just think that's yeah. a funny thing. And that's what Same that's where we're this, sitting. Yeah. 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 It works better with time. Yeah. yeah. I th- I think it's funny that uh, Honda called it a disgrace when it's like, like I get that it's goofy and weird, uh, but Honda does has Godzilla do so much weird shit in his movies. Like, really, this is this is a disgrace. Like, come on, well, you're he over. Doesn't, Honda doesn't do any of that. Honda okay, you're right. He that. doesn't do the special effects stuff, but even so, he still there's been so much stuff in his movies of godzilla just doing weird stuff it's like come on you're really gonna get upset so much more upset about this calling this a disgrace it i feel gets, like he's he's overreacting it gets so much worse after honda leaves all the <laughs> oh, very yeah. silly things that godzilla does some of them are awesome silly though yeah did y'all it felt to me like he didn't uh charge up his fucking atomic breath in this one it was kind of just that like my less of the two favorite, like the just kind of like, like just shooting it out yeah. kind of randomly. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, how it goes at this point, mostly. Okay. That's right. We're, well, we're, also, we're there now. Maybe he's thrown off because he went to sleep and then he woke up on another planet with different gravity and atmosphere. Um, I think if I had atomic breath capabilities, it would be kind of maybe i wouldn't be on 100 percent if uh i was in the same uh circumstance yeah once again we we aren't considering all the things around the lives Mm -hmm. of our kaiju that Mm -hmm. we're not privy to yep it's true it's true we should try to put ourselves in the in the in the mindset of what they must be going through you know they're not just symbols yeah, they're I, living creatures. I think Lacan once said that you could never really know a kaiju. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was me that said something, that, but um, oh, okay, I'm often okay. confused with Lacan, so I can yeah. see why you made that mistake. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's I I think it's fine that Godzilla dances. That's fine. Cool. I agree. Oh, I'm sorry, I got off track. Laser breath. That's what we were talking about. Oh, you're good. My bad. <laughs> it's important to put a cap on that to make sure we know your stance on the dance. Like that's, I'm glad <laughs> the fans are going to I'm pro that, dance. So I'm glad you... And I'm pro understanding that Godzilla has things going on that we don't, we're not privy to. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, what about, what about Rodan? Does Rodan have shit going on? What'd y'all think about him? How does he always end up in a mountain? <laughs> yeah. Rodan fucking How loves mountains. How does he get <laughs> Maybe he hires Baragon to like dig holes for him, and then he flies through those holes and gets into the mountain. I think that's why they make Monster Island later, because they realized like someone's gonna notice that Rodan keeps ending up inside mountains somehow, and <laughs> they're gonna be suspicious. <laughs> we gotta put him on Monster Island. It it is weird. It's it's almost like Godzilla movies are so weird in that they're all like sequels but remakes. It's just like, oh, this yeah. is what Rodan does. We're not thinking of Rodan between that movie and this movie. It's yeah. just Rodan, and everybody knows Rodan busts out of mountains. 
Um, he felt less goofier in this movie than the last one. Uh, I feel like maybe a large part of that was just the last one. There is that super goofy fight scene between the conversation. Well, the conversation too, but yeah, that whole scene with that, that fight as well, is just such a goofy fight. And then there were so many close-ups of his face. So that kind of just like lends itself to viewing him as much goofier. So I think, yeah, he's, he comes off as a lot less goofy in this. I feel like part of it is he just kind of felt empty-ish in this one compared to the other guys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm not I'm not really interested in Rodan at all in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm I'm hardly interested in like Godzilla and yeah. Ghidorah. You know, like they their motivations don't really stress me out so much in this. Um which is funny because there's there's that scene when they're leaving Godzilla and Rodan on the planet. They're like, like I think Godzilla resents us leaving <laughs> or something <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> and uh, I think I think that's like a very funny to like armchair psychology Godzilla from the from the deck of your spaceship. <laughs> well, that also plays in the. What I was saying earlier about, like, why wouldn't the humans just be like, right away, let's trade these monsters to the cure for cancer. They're flying away, and they're like, I feel sorry for him. Like, um, oh, man, what does he say? He says something like, he's been, like, a nuisance before, um, but I, I feel bad for him or something like that. It's like, this monster that has destroyed, like, so many cities and, like, is considered, like, an ultimate terror you're like oh i kind of feel bad for him oh like poor guy <laughs> yeah i mean I, th- I think there's a mix of the fact that you know it's done in a silly way but in all the kaiju movies at the end even the people whose cities were destroyed have sympathy for them but on a less like there's like a touch of that but i think it's mostly kind of what you said earlier i think charlie that it was like it's like the people have seen the movies. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing, yeah. It's just like, oh shit, that's our cultural icon. Like, <laughs> yeah, it really does feel like that. Oh man, those bubbles they were in are fucking awesome. That might be a highlight mm-hmm. of the film too. Like, I love the bubbles. And the way, the way they're just like folded up kind of sleeping, mm-hmm. especially Godzilla when they get found is so great. It's so cute. It's yes. all so cute without being like cutesy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it just like, like, ah, uh, you know, you get. I felt like a paternal instinct for mm-hmm. maybe the first time in my life. I was just like, <laughs> I, I, I hope, I just hope Godzilla gets there safe. You know, and he looks very safe, and I'm happy for him. You know, but um, fun fact: yeah. the first paternal instinct I ever felt was watching Son of Godzilla with Godzilla showing um, uh. Uh, what's his name? Manila. Uh, Manila. Yeah, when Godzilla's teaching Manila how to breathe fire, um, it's the first time I ever felt a paternal instinct. So. Oh, I hated that movie. Oh, that movie hates that's, you. That's probably my least favorite one. Wow. Yeah, I hate his his that Manila. He's so upsetting. He looks like E.T. Like he's like that, especially when he's first born. He's got like that shimmer from like the fact that he's covered in goo. 
<laughs> and uh, he looks sticky, and I, I don't like Manila at all. Get well, him out of here. Um, this uh, opinion brought to you by the same guy who says ska is good. So <laughs> that's true. Damn. That's true. So, not worth much. <laughs> <laughs> um, what'd y'all think of the uh, the actual city destruction in this one? There's more of it than I remembered. Yeah, yeah there was a surprising amount. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I thought it all looked pretty good. The miniatures looked great. Um, they were yeah. all destroying. It wasn't like all like the close up shots were like like kind of traditional looking homes. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of like, it looked like a fairly dense city that they were in, but they were destroying all these, these very old school houses that are all sliding doors. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what those walls are made out of. Paper sounds wrong, but kind of looks like paper. Yeah. It it wasn't the traditional, like, Oh fuck yeah, fuck industry, fuck civ feeling for sure. Um yeah, I think they they were definitely doing it on a budget. Although I will say they make an effort or a distinct choice to put a mobile a mobile oil building in like so many of these movies. Um, yeah. I just think it's wild that he went straight for the mobile gas fucking building and they showed it like multiple times like what that's like the only brand i recognize and it's been in like i think in mothra that larva goes straight for it it's just (laughs) weird huh i've not really thought about i didn't even think about that brands in godzilla movies the only thought i've ever had about like the billboards and stuff was in godzilla versus king kong they have like several uh, billboards with blackface. Yeah, on it. I was about to say oh, racist and, ones. And I, all I could think was like, "Wow!" Like that imagery was so pervasive in Japan in mm-hmm. like the 1950s or whenever that one came out that they had to make miniatures of it to make King Kong oh. versus Godzilla be realistic, and that's weird. Damn. <laughs> but otherwise, I've never really thought about the brands and stuff in the billboards. I think raids I think I again. That. I think raids. I think we we mentioned that in our episode. Oh, maybe you um, did. I'm sorry. Oh no, I, I was saying that to Rabbit because he just said you've never noticed. That. I feel like we brought that up. Um, I also I know in, in raids again. There's also like a racist billboard. Um, although I don't think that was a miniature. I think that was an actual shot of the city. Definitely possible. Mm. <laughs> Damn. I mean, King Kong vs. Godzilla, that wasn't even that long ago, right? That was like 63 before this? Yeah. Um, Wild. Yeah. Well, yeah, this definitely wasn't as exciting in this one as seeing those fucked up billboards being smashed. Um, Yeah, I've, uh, I don't know. Charlie, do you have any thoughts on the destruction? No, I, I don't think there's any, there's really much to say about it. It wasn't, you know, like, like we talked about, the monsters weren't the central focus, so it's not like there was... Lots of great destruction, but what was what was there was perfectly suitable and fun to watch. Did y'all notice an excess of Godzilla's foot going into yes. the roofs of buildings? I feel like they might have even played the same shot multiple times. Or maybe, I don't know. Or maybe it just felt like the same shot because it was like over and over. For sure. Yeah. Barta, did we lose you again? You got sad. No, 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 no. Okay, cool. You're just making no. the same face, so I wasn't sure. I just want to make <laughs> no, sure. No, I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking about how many times I saw Godzilla's foot smash a building. And I, <laughs> I think it was a bunch, but um uh yeah. 
I don't know. I thought it looked awesome. That was that was another thing I was thinking about when I was watching this movie. I'm like, I don't know how much like Godzilla's foot stepping on a building, which is <laughs> you know, like one of my like early reference points for Godzilla, I think was I think it was before Toy Story one, the original Toy Story in theaters, used there was that short film of Bambi getting stepped on by Godzilla. Um, Wait, that played like before a Toy Story? I think so. That's, I don't remember what it played before, but in, in my weird. mind's eye, I'm seeing Toy Story. Um, <laughs> but I mean, uh, that, that, that animation, I think, was made in like the 60s or something, so that would be... Weird. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. I think it was like uh, super early. But that's whatever the case. That's a, like a very early reference point for Godzilla for me, and so I think yeah. about just like foot coming down and smashing things, and uh-huh. I was delighted to be watching this movie. And it was like ah again and again. Oh yeah, yeah. It was over and over and like rapid fire. Um, yeah, it's nineteen sixty nine that animation's from. Hmm. Trip. No shit. They must have got it from this. Does uh. Did y'all have any other fights or any other? Did y'all have any other thoughts about the monster fights? Like, I don't know how it ended or anything else before we move on from monsters. Mm. I mean, yeah, they just. I mean, as we've said, it's just there wasn't much monster stuff in this. The fights just went by really quick. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the main flaws of the movie. Is just I wanted more monsters, including monster fights. And monster destruction. It's pretty rare. It's pretty rare that I'm like, I want this Godzilla movie to be like a little bit longer. But I could have <laughs> done that with this. Yeah, yeah. You usually I, they're the exact correct length, but uh-huh. been a little longer. Totally. I gotta say, one of the more creative things for me in this uh, fight wise was in this movie where. Rodan picks up Godzilla and throws him at Ghidorah and yeah. he tackles Ghidorah. That was yeah. solid. Yeah, that ruled. That's what I want. I want the monsters to act like, like yeah. teammates like that more when when totally. they're tag teaming and stuff. Yeah. That cuz that's the I, thing, like Ghidorah has no hands. Like when he's yeah. like teamed up with someone, you know, it's harder for him to like offer assistance in that way that's true uh it does feel like they often are just kind of either taking turns or like one's at the tail one's at the face in in a lot of these and it would be cool to see more like we we've had a little bit with mothra riding on uh rodan's back and and shooting the shooting the thread in the one and then Uh this but we need more of that for sure yeah so i just looked at my notes and i want to correct when they're looking back at Rodan and Godzilla as they're leaving, he says, they can be a pain sometimes. And that just seems yeah. like such an understated way. Yeah. <laughs> say kind of like the humans are bullying us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, That's amazing. Uh, another monster thing is no Mothra. I mean, I know I brought it up before in a joking <laughs> way, but like, seriously, their whole plan is we know that Rodan and Godzilla fought off uh, yeah. Ghidorah before, but there's absolutely no mention of Mothra. That just seems like a super weird decision. I mean, I guess it, um, it's probably just have to do with budget and uh, uh, 
complications with having just another puppet thrown in there. But it just, yeah, I mean, that's just, personally, I just find that sorely disappointing about this movie and just weird how Mothra isn't even mentioned in any way at all. Mothra is still a larva, and which means Mothra is a baby, and you can't bring a baby to space. Why can't you bring a baby in space? I don't know. Have we ever brought a baby to space? I'm I've gonna say tried. I've lobbied the government a lot, so I'm hoping <laughs> soon. <laughs> Send a baby to space. I've okay. also started talking to Elon Musk, and he. We started throwing some numbers around. But people in the 60s couldn't imagine a smartphone either. They can't imagine getting data that's not printed out on a piece of paper. Like Mm -hmm. they, you know. They can't imagine a second Mario movie. They can't. They can't imagine sending a baby to space. (laughs) It's true. It's just so far beyond their comprehension. We had to have a lot of advancements culturally, socially, technologically before that led to us even being able to have this idea. Like if we were recording this back then, we'd be like, and of course they didn't have Mothra because it's a larva and it must stay on earth. Yeah. And everyone would be like, what the fuck is a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I, I don't know. It kind of bugs me that the ending of the last movie is Ghidorah flying away, and then the ending of this movie is Ghidorah flying away, and our yeah. people just falling in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, seems <laughs> like such a know. lazy ending. <laughs> I've been sitting here trying to figure out, remember how this ends, and I just couldn't. It just wasn't coming to me. It's because, oh yeah, they just fell in the water, and that was yeah. that. <laughs> um. There's not really, there's not really too many instances where Godzilla like eliminates his foe. Yeah, that doesn't really happen too many mm-hmm. times. A couple times, not very many. Final and wars. He should by uh, what's his name? The smog monster. Hedora. I think he gets rid of Hedora. Uh, yeah. But yeah, not not too many, and it would be prescient if he got rid of Ghidorah. You know, yeah, he's just yeah. gonna keep coming back, keep making trouble. Yeah. Later in the later movies, I feel like he does, but yeah, it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. All right, do y'all have any uh, overarching concluding thoughts about this movie before we move on to uh, our award and our rating and stuff? Ah, uh, it's just good. I don't know. If you're listening to this and you've not watched this movie, you should watch it. It's <laughs> yes, it's mm-hmm. fucking sick. There's a dubbed version on HBO streaming. If you have that, if you don't, yeah. try to figure out a way to steal it. Um, maybe uh, blow up a bank while you're at it. Um, parody, parody that exempts us from any legal repercussions of that's any true. Banks. That's um, pretty much true. That's why we have a lawyer on the show. Yep. His name is Charlie. Yeah. Um, I studied in the law of sexy. <laughs> Wait, well, fuck. I can't remember. What was the first thing you said, Charlie, before the bank? Um, <laughs> I think the first thing I said was like, hey, how are you doing? How's your Oh, God doing? damn it. Of that statement. 
Uh, <laughs> it's on HBO. Oh yeah, it's on oh, HBO. Or Steel. I was just gonna say the dub version is actually really fucking good. Like I don't yeah. watch dub versions of most of these movies, but if all you have is the HBO one or a dub version, and you're, that's holding you back because you like subtitles, it's actually really well done. Astronaut um, Glenn's voice is awesome. Such a good yes. accent. He sounds great. Watch it just for him. It's on my Henry Ford. Um, <laughs> the other night I was at a friend's place um, and there were three of us hanging out uh, and I put this, I, I put on the dub version, not that it matters, on in the background and uh, put it on mute while we were like talking and had music going and it was just, there's some kind of like, a lot of the music um, just like kind of vaguely sci-fi and uh it just was a lot of fun to watch this. Um, and even my friends who never watched Godzilla movies agreed that it's just, it was really awesome having this like with soundtrack, but just some kind of random music. It fit super, super well. So if you're having a party, consider throwing this on in the background. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. I used to, uh, when we would throw parties, we used to collect me like years ago, me and my old roommate, we used to like, collect InfoWars DVDs and stuff like that. And so we'd throw parties and play an InfoWars DVD on like fat, like three times speed. And uh, it created a very strange mood. Yeah. Anyways, if you if you don't have access to HBO Go, I'm saying, and you're at a party, <laughs> consider. InfoWars, hell yeah. InfoWars.com. <laughs> So uh, I think it's time for our Dumb Cop of the Week award. Alberto, would you do us the honor of going first and telling I, us what I your Dumb Cop of the Week is? I forgot to think about this. Ugh. I forgot to think about this while oh, I was good. watching the movie. I got to be totally honest with you. You didn't and, do that it or, sucks because or synopsis. I, you're <laughs> correct. Um, when it, it sucks because I... Like for a couple of weeks now, I've been thinking like I got to think about the dumb cop. That's the thing they're gonna <laughs> ask me. They're gonna ask me about the dumb cop, and I just, I just, you know, all I could say is a cab. <laughs> Hell yeah, I love it. Um, I gotta say I forgot also, and then halfway through this episode, I was like, oh shit, and I had to. I had to come up with one on the fly. So we'll go first. If one comes to your mind, cool. If not, all obviously they're all dumb bastards. So that's like that's like they the are. answer too. They're all just bastards. Thanks. Charlie, you got one? Uh I do, but you're gonna go first. Okay. Uh my dumb cop of the week is Glenn. Um, because he's part Whoa. of the space authority and he just keeps going back to space because they tell him to. And then they're like, you're space ambassador. And it's like, dude, you've already done your shit. You finally, like, you're back on Earth. Everything's chill. And they're like, you're ambassador. He's like, oh, I guess I got it. It's like, dude, you're a fucking dumbass. Just, Maybe like space. Space is cool. He doesn't, he's, he kind of rolls his eyes like, look what the master's making me do now. You know what I mean? It just, it made me lose a lot of respect for such a cool guy, you know? And him mm. being, you know, a uh, uh, a white American male, you'd think like I had my respect for him was pretty high, and this yeah. really dropped it down. Oh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that answer. Um, <laughs> I like Glenn. I don't want to think of him as a dumb cop. To, I 
Right. I want to continue to to like Glenn <laughs> and not think of him as a police officer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm hoping Charlie has a better answer. Oh, something shit. I can focus my oh shit anti cop energy on. All right, so I have two answers to this. Uh, first, it's a very serious and heartfelt answer. Um, because we're going on hiatus, I wanted to leave uh, with something kind of deep. So my Dumb Cop of the Week award is that cop we all sometimes feel in our heart. Whenever we have an instant kind of reactionary thought or response to something or something kind of hateful or wrong that we know is wrong and it pops out and we have to do we always have to be constantly working to better ourselves and silence that cop inside of us so (laughs) kill the cop in your heart i love it kill the cop in your heart the biggest (laughs) bastard of them all um my thanks for that reminder yeah yeah like when your heart says uh, that person should go to jail because they like shitty ska music. You have to say, "Hey, I, that's a bad example. That that one's kind of right." Um, but when you're jailed for liking Desmond Decker and the specials, oh my god! No, 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 not the specials. I I clarify in a later episode. I meant modern, like '90s, 2000s ska. I like the specials. Okay. Well, they're both going to jail. <laughs> specials fans they don't go to jail unless they're also really into like lesson jake and uh um i voted for kodos goldfinger uh my second answer my second answer is kind of what what'd you say bart nothing (laughs) my second answer anyways uh, really (laughs) horrible um even when i like scott and like real big fish uh, <laughs> oh, second... so you're just recovered. That's what's going on here. <laughs> no, I used to be young, and he was he was reformed by his time in the fucking inside. <laughs> yeah, I touched this, is, part. this is less to do with the quality of music. This is you're you're letting your personal feelings get in the way of your your good judgment. I know that about Mothra, and I know that about Ska. I don't At know the what else same is time, on. I like Ska. I also <laughs> like the Misfits. I still listen to the Misfits because the Misfits are good. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they didn't play Ska. They are. Right, I don't y'all. disagree. You um, okay, my second cop, um, uh, Barto, kind of ruined because um, my answer was then going to be. But if you want a serious answer, it's going to be uh, it's. Uh, the same cop El Barto said because he's smarter than I am and he probably knows. <laughs> but that doesn't really play what? anymore, does it, Barto? <laughs> Thanks a lot for Wait, ruining what? my answer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude, Charlie, this is just so you know, if you want to come on No Gods, No Monsters, this is some of the kind of star treatment you can get as a guest on our show. I just said he's smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that was a nice thing. Sort uh, of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh Alberto, anything come to you or, or should we move on? No, I I don't I don't really remember any cops in this movie. I'm sure they were there cuz they're in all the movies. 
Yeah. Uh, Fuji is the is the the most dumb cop because That's he true. becomes a, like an army commander of some kind, and <laughs> that is. And he's a misogynist pig, and uh, yeah, and yeah. Our Fuji. our dumb cop of the week is very um, open to interpretation. It's not just uh, a cop; it's basically who embodies uh, the cop spirit the most. So, the it, cop it, in your heart, interesting. Yeah, say, yeah. Popular right phrase. In your heart. Um. Yeah, Fuji for sure. Because like, like you said, all the he's just like a piece of shit. But like from an even more of a social justice kind of angle, he's also a scientist. And as an anti-science yeah. podcast, <laughs> like fuck that shit, you know? Um, yeah, That's he's also, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, we obviously touched on him. But just he's so controlling of his sister and that obsession with control. Very cop. Very cop. Very totally. cop. Very cop. Um, Thanks for giving me time to work on that. <laughs> I should remind you about the dumb cop of the week, but I forgot myself. So here we are. Like I said, um, my answer was whatever El Barto said because he's smarter than me. So I have to pick Fuji for mine. Okay. <laughs> it's true. All right, y'all. Uh, El Barto, do you know how the rating on this uh, Godzilla movies works? Yeah, but I, you know, I've been trying to figure out where did these tears come from? My eyes. Like, what is S-tier? What is it? I think they came from like Japanese video games. That's my feeling. We, I don't know if I'm we, right. We uh, actually just like... we discussed this in an earlier, much earlier episode, maybe like our Godzilla episode. But I feel like I remember reading has to do with like the Japanese school system somehow. But I oh. don't. It's been so long since I I read it. I I don't remember it. And maybe I'm lying when I say uh. that. But that's what I feel like I said. It would make sense that I thought it was just from video games because that would be my first time interacting with it. But that's just mm-hmm. a grading thing in Japan, you know. Wow. Who knows? This is this is an A for me. Not an oh. S. Yeah, not an S. There's a. I think there are there are a few other Godzilla movies that transcend this in a significantly, and uh, but I think this one is. The quality storytelling, quality filmmaking, you know, it's, mm-hmm. is above and beyond a lot of the other uh, kind of rough around the edges Godzilla movies that I've watched. Totally. How about you, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, uh, this movie's a blast. It's great. The human stuff is some of the best human stuff. But in some ways, sometimes it kind of feels like to its detriment because it focuses more on that than the monsters. It's like I do want some more monster stuff as great as the human stuff is or maybe they could have like we said earlier made it longer to put in more monster stuff also i i mean i know we've been talking about it jokingly but in all honesty mothra is my second favorite kaiju and there is no real reason why she shouldn't be in this because it plays on exactly from the last movie and they don't even reference her i feel like that is ultimately to the detriment of the film um if you look at it in more of a meta sense. Uh, but yeah, it's still a fantastic movie. Um, it, everything on screen is, is done great. So uh, to me, it's going to be a B for box. Because I'm looking at a box. Okay. And Godzilla boxes. He's yeah, and God, a B 
for boxing because that's Godzilla's favorite way to fight Ghidorah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is one of my favorite Showa movies. It's just got... Aesthetically, it's awesome. Story-wise, it's uh, just solid. The characters are awesome. The monster stuff's a little lacking, but like I don't love this era of monster stuff anyway, so it's kind of a perfect amount for me for a movie like this. I'm glad they focused on the other stuff. And politically, it's just fucking confusing. Like I can't tell if it's awesome or just doesn't know what it's doing, but either way, it got us talking a lot about it, and I appreciate mm-hmm. all the weird themes they introduce, even if they don't kind of tie up or maybe they do um but i'm gonna give it a solid a uh give it an astro monster and uh yeah it's up there for sure <laughs> um actually i want to amend mine uh b plus okay perfect mm, that's right <laughs> Plus <laughs> um, minuses sweet well uh anything else you want to say before we head out of here barto uh about this flick in no your, i mean in, we've been anything talk go off on biden in general this isn't Wait, me plugging your biden. own thing i just you mean, guys remember when biden promised like his administration would like find the cure for cancer or something like that if he was elected president i do <laughs> i don't see that happening i don't either but it'd be really cool if he pulled that out of his back pocket like when his ratings are low or something it's it's cool to think about kamala in the lab you know, finding a cure for cancer like literally his administration is on it in there half the half of the west wing is in like lab coats all the time you know, looking for the cure for cancer y'all he made so many weird promises during his campaign that i can't tell if i forgot he literally accidentally said something stupid like this or if you're comparing him to the zillions right now no he Which did say something like that if he was elected president like finding the cure for cancer like be one of the top priorities or something like that so he pulled Which, the zillions yeah. literally yeah. did the same yes yeah, he did <laughs> i mean there I is kind talk of about thing. this already <laughs> there is kind of a thing where like his son died of cancer so it's like you do have some sympathy there but it's also just like not realistic in any way whatsoever it's just oh my god wait take out That's... take out all the stuff about big tech when you're editing this I, i'm now going to explain why this is a metaphor for the <laughs> biden administration so bear with me okay okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's too on the nose not to be like <laughs> this this did this is that question of if sci-fi predicts the future or if it writes the future you know what i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> sweet well uh invasion of the astro monster 1965 predicted joe biden and these five other things you know this would be a really good youtube video hell yeah well uh barta where can people find you online if they want to want to hear more from you or see more of your stuff more of my stuff i'm on um at el barto army on twitter that's the only social media i do and um there's some links to some of my music there and i think we're also going to play a song that i'm going to send rabbit that um i'm a record i not a record on a thing i put out on the internet 
uh, a big golden tape at at, <laughs> at the a big golden tape i gave to the representatives of earth um <laughs> that i sort of hastily put together that i shouldn't have hastily put together so hastily um i have a song using the music from godzilla but as kind of like a black metal song um and i re-recorded almost all the guitar parts uh for this because uh, i'm a better guitar player now than i was then um so is is that on your i was looking at your twitter page earlier you have a pinned tweet about a release you have um is that on that release that's not on that one. Okay. That well, one, the cover I did was "We Belong" by Pat Benatar, okay, um, which, is which also makes way. a great metal song. Um, yeah. all the songs on that split are awesome. The cover to that that uh, uh, release, what what's that from? That's from something, right? Isn't that a? a... I don't know. Uh, the other dude, my my homie made that. I have no idea. Right. Um, I feel like it's an I album cover. I can ask him, and I can tell you. I feel like it's an album cover or something that they just repurposed, and because I, I swear I've seen that picture before, um, it was bothering me earlier. Oh, uh, it it looks sort of like a Burzum album. Oh yeah, no, it totally looks like a Burzum like album. You know, in fact, or, that was my first thought. Is like or something. That was my first thought. Is like, is this a Burzum album cover? Which I mean, no. I love Burzum. Not quite. Um, uh, I love Burzum despite I don't think his that politics. Is on fire. In fact, that was he's not a, a weird promotion. Dude. Do you follow him online? He's, Bur- he's fucking weird. Burzum? No. Uh, I just double checked, and that is not the church that is on fire in that okay. Burzum album. So, yeah, in the clear. <laughs> I want to clarify: this is not a promotion for Burzum. If you do listen to Burzum, you should only listen to it uh, by stealing the music somehow, and not in a way that he can monetarily uh, benefit from it, no. because fascism is bad. Even if as fascist. we learned, we all learned today from this movie. Even um, if fascists can make yeah. good music, it's true. Uh, Barto, what's the name of that song where you sample Godzilla? I think it's just I just called it Gojira. I think I think that's what yeah. it's called on the record. But um, there are lyrics now. I think it's a it's a nuclear skepticism song, if I remember correctly. When I <laughs> I was I was pretty hasty about putting words on this, so I think that's Fuck what it yeah. was about. <laughs> Hard to say. We're gonna play that at the end of this. Thanks for sharing that with us, and uh, thanks for coming on the show, Barto. We had a lot of fun, or at least I did. I can't speak for Charlie. I don't remember ever having fun except for when I wrote down a slide once. That was fun. Well, I'm sorry I couldn't recreate that sensation for you. <laughs> no, <laughs> and I was promised. Rabbit said. Rabbit said, don't worry, El Barto is the slide of podcasting. <laughs> you remember that slide you were on that one time? Yeah. This is going to be just like that. I, I've told Rabbit <laughs> about that so much in the time we've known each other. I don't I, know what's happening. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Aren't you working on like a new podcast or something? I am. I am working on a podcast um, that in the next couple months hopefully uh will be coming out slowly um actually like weekly 
weekly slowly but um uh yeah i'm not i'm not gonna give too many details on what that's about but it should be interesting and good and i'm putting a lot of um thought into it and i'm pretty excited about it so, do you have a name for it yet you know okay no the name i picked is already a, a podcast so uh, well yeah you should have known no gods all of my scripts was taken oh yeah i was gonna call it no gods no monsters and i was like fuck uh no uh so all of my scripts say uh insert podcast name here uh two or three times Mm -hmm. but that's a pretty good uh, name i'll get there (laughs) insert podcast name here yeah it just rolls off the tongue totally (laughs) i'd be happy to say it three times fast (laughs) <laughs> um thanks for listening you can find us on twitter at no gods pod you can email us nogodspod at gmail.com and if you like what we're doing and you want to support the show i don't know what should they do y'all i don't have anything they should uh join a committee to in ska god damn it alberta <laughs> do you have any real answers for us they should um, I was get answer. to the head of um, the health department and make decisions on a giant kaiju just to support the support the program or rate you on iTunes. Hell yeah! Which I know you would like people to do. I can't <laughs> remember my login for iTunes, and so I can't rate. <laughs> But I've been intending to. I tried, in fact. I tried to do it. <laughs> and I'm just... Trying. You're better than most. Yeah, we, and we I, put... I, I feel like if I sign up again, they're going to send me a bunch of emails. Don't I already do get it. too many emails, so I'm not going to do it. But no, yeah. I will retweet. Sweet. Uh, yeah, no. Stay free of them if you have to. We only tell people to rate us on Apple Podcasts as a trap, a capitalist trap. A big tech fucking uh, <laughs> yeah uh yeah i have two things first of all well three things first of all just uh keep that cop in your heart at bay second of all you know this isn't the same that we usually do but just uh you know if you have a friend who you think might be down or something just kind of reach out to them and just you know ask them how they're doing and just let let people know in your life that you're there for them and you care and um yeah and just be a good person and be there for your friends uh and third of all uh if you have any friends you think you might or family that you think might like the show you know just uh recommend it to them we um we'd like to have more listeners that would be fun to have not just 10 people listen to us so hey that's not that number's not accurate i know but if people knew the real number they'd ask why we don't have a patreon yet because they'd be like Whoa. <laughs> and i want to convince them that we really need them to uh get people to listen to us good call good call so if you have someone who you need to reach out to to ask them how they're doing to check in with them also drop <laughs> yeah that you should listen to yeah. no gods no monsters <laughs> that's a pretty sly yeah make sure you say to them i'm only doing this I'm only asking you how you're doing because this really cool podcast called No Gods No Monsters said I should. So you should really check it out. Um, they have a really great episode on uh, uh, King Congress Godzilla, the one from the 60s. Um, 
that I really think you'll like. Yeah, it cured my depression. It can cure yours. I was going to say, this is all very Don Draper of you until the very end. The the your, the the pitch, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lead with, I'm only talking to you to be an advertisement. Don Draper would. Well, this is why all the people in my Sweet. life um, don't talk to me anymore. Because <laughs> I was verbatim what I've said to about 10 people in the past few weeks. You should, you're feeling down. You should check out this podcast, my podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Being a, being on a podcast is like exactly the same as being a part of a multi-level marketing scheme where you just have to go up to all the people around you and really alienate yourself and pitch them. I've done it. I've done done the podcast thing before. I'll do it again, you know. But it takes a little self-deprecation and alienation to make Hell it successful. Yeah. yeah. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. We're the Herbalife of the airwaves, for sure. Um, <laughs> the Herbalife of the airwaves.